0: This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Bronner. The opening kickoff, kickoff, kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right welcome in a
1: monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff is upon us mark and lee sitting on top of the world that's right we're at dolphins restaurant for the next three hours right here on the sports station wnsp and wnsp.com and guys it doesn't get much better than this you guys can join us starting at seven the elevators are start start working you guys come on up take a ride up to the 34th floor here Come hang with us complimentary beignets, complimentary coffee. Lee has already been saying for a week, open mic. You come out, you want to vent, you want to talk about how the committee got it right, you will be put on the air and you can let the world know exactly how you felt about the weekend that was.
2: Better yet, if you're a Florida State fan, we really invite you to come in and vent. Uh, We we have opportunities, especially in the uh, third hour. Now, in addition to coffees and beignets, this is what we have giveaways. Now, we don't have many. First come, first serve. We have two tickets to Timber Creek to play golf. Two tickets to the Jags basketball game this coming Saturday against Spring Hill. Oh, I'm not done yet. Two tickets to the 68 Ventures Bowl, Hancock-Whitney Stadium, December 23rd. Jags playing at home in their bowl against eastern michigan so this is what i got and two in each case so if you're interested by the way i want to thank the committee the bob Baumhauer committee for allowing us to spend at least one monday of our show the opening kickoff here and of course my good friend dale uh the general manager is with us also and mark was saying that it's been almost a year to the day the last time we were here dale anything happened since then
3: well, I mean, basically, we're going to be debuting our uh, new menu uh, on January the 8th for Dolphins. Uh, we have complete uh, brand-new brunch, lunch, dinner, happy hour. Everything's brand-new. Uh, downstairs also at Lost for Adidas, our new menu de- uh, debuts there tomorrow, December the 5th. Uh, that's our Cuban Speakeasy. You can find the password every day at 12 o'clock on uh, Instagram. And, of course, we have the new Baumhauer Victor Grill opening up tomorrow in Foley as well.
2: Oh, so really very little going on then, right? Not much. Not December much. 5th is a huge day. That's tomorrow, the new Foley establishment. But here at Dolphins, you open
3: up at 11. Uh, the menu has is going to change, but not until next month, right? That's correct. The second Monday, so it'll be January the 8th. So today we still have the traditional Corky's Conecuh gravy special for Monday. But uh, starting out on uh, lunch on January the 8th, we have a new menu going. And as far as booking parties for, well, Christmas parties, you still taking that and New Year's? We still do have some room for some Christmas parties here. We can take care of those. All you have to do is just call up the restaurant and ask to speak to our reservation specialist. And we're also starting to book up parties early for next year, 2024.
2: All right, I do want to, before we start, because most of the show will be spent on college football and the uh, final four, the college football playoff, uh, four teams in there. But I want to congratulate the three high school football programs that are still undefeated, Mark, and still involved in the Super 7. And all three games this week will be broadcast on WNSP. Mobile Christian will be playing at 11 a.m. Thursday, Gulf Shores, Thursday night at 7, Sarah Land Friday, At seven. So uh, we'll be talking to the coaches. I think we start tomorrow and we'll work our way towards the uh, games coming up. But all three games will be carried on the uh, Alabama radio network. With that being said, I guess the committee was intimidated by Chris Stewart's final comment, huh? I dare you.
1: Yeah, so here's the here's the I think we would this has been a fantastic this is one of the better weekends. That I can remember for a long time from a drama standpoint from games mattering standpoint from all of it all of it, compelling uh, flipping channels all day uh, Saturday even caught some on Friday night. There was just reason to watch. So from that perspective college football is at the pinnacle of its popularity. There's no question and I think yesterday was proof of that now. You got folks on both sides of the fence here that are going to argue about what was done, how it was done, and whether it was right, but there is a new way of thinking, and it's been around for a couple years, and I think finally the committee came around to that line of thinking, and I think they got it right for the most part.
2: How would you like to be a Florida State football fan, player, administrator, and realize that if Ja, if uh, Jaron Mil- uh, Milrow had not completed that pass, the final play, the fourth and thirty-one, that Florida State would be going, if all things had stayed the same, they'd be going to the Final Four. Think of that one play that kept them basically out because Alabama continued to do well. Look, I join with Saban and everybody else. I feel bad for Florida State, but I'm glad Alabama in. Let me and everybody's been saying that. Now there have been a lot. If I'm on the committee. First of all, I'd go into seclusion. Don't look at any social media. Don't do anything like that because they're going to get ripped from left to right for leaving out for the very first time a team that was undefeated in a Power Five. It's never happened before. And the reasons they gave, look, you can dice and slice any way you want. Uh, They did the opposite with SFU and Liberty. Everything they said about Florida State and Alabama, they did the opposite, but that's another story. So, you know, especially the part about well, they're down to their third-string quarterback. Well, how about this? Uh, a couple of years ago, Ohio State had a third-string quarterback, and he led him to a championship. But that being said, I in my I didn't I don't care what the excuse was. In my own mind, I didn't feel there was any way possible they were going to leave out an SEC school, and they and maybe they'd have to dip into another if they had a first-string quarterback. They were not going to leave out Alabama and or Georgia.
1: Maybe so, but I. Alabama's argument was a compelling one, and I think one of the reasons it was so compelling was because they just got finished beating the number one team in the country. Now, whether that whether that would have changed if that number one team in the country wasn't an SEC school or Alabama wasn't in the SEC, I guess we'll never know. But the truth of the matter is, and, and, and you heard it all weekend, Vegas is a great indicator of who the best teams in the country are, and the tr- and look at the Michigan's reaction when they found out they were playing Alabama, they freaked out. They they don't want any part of Alabama, at least initially. Now Blake Coram came back and said all the right things after, but there was an audible gasp. Right, there was an obvious, oh crap, we got to play Alabama. They were expecting Florida State, and there was no way Florida State was going to compete with any of the other three teams that would have made that. In fact, I think Georgia would have been a better call as a top four than Florida State. I think, quite frankly, Ohio State would have been a better call than Florida State. Florida State just isn't elite. And they showed it against Louisville. Everybody was talking about what a, you know. The Florida State fans were talking about what a great defensive battle that was. No, Louisville's offense was terrible. I watched the end of that. They had multiple chances to win that game and couldn't get it done.
2: Well, in fairness to Florida State, they were two and zero against the SEC. The uh, let's see, the ACC was six and four. That I mean, that's the argument that the resume for Florida State that their league was better than the SEC six to four, and of course, this by not having uh, Jordan Travis or Travis Jordan as the quarterback um, that gave the committee an out, and, and they used it. And then you know, look, we're happy about it. We won Alabama in there uh, for a variety of reasons. But uh, yeah, I'm with you too I, with Michigan. Uh, I listened to some of the interviews, but going into that, I would say, at least in my recollection, to internet sites that I read read up on, the the uh, the prevailing theory was that Florida State was in, this was Saturday night, and su- early Sunday morning. Most of the sites, the writers and the media people, had Florida State in and Alabama out. And that really changed. And I felt Alabama was in. it was just my gut feeling that no matter what, Greg Sankey, the czar of college football, if you buy into that, somehow, some way, they were not going to leave out in SEC school. It just wasn't going to happen.
1: All right, so we want to hear from you guys, and you guys will have an opportunity starting at 7 to come up uh, and voice your opinion right here on the air. Uh, we're going to talk about the SEC Championship game, which, quite frankly, was a great game. Like I, 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 I'm not lying when I said look, this past weekend of college football was the greatest in recent memory, as far as I'm concerned, Uh, But so we'll talk to Justin Baker. He covered the game. Uh, He will join us in about 15 or so minutes. Uh, We'll have some Chick-fil-A for you as well. Ross Jackson will be along in hour number two to talk about whatever that was uh, in uh, over the weekend, Saints, Lions. Uh, John Rachetti do his millite golf report. Kane Womack, the South Alabama football coach, will join us. Uh, The Jags are going bowling right here in the fine city of Mobile. Dean Waite. We'll join us at 8 o'clock. We'll uh, talk about some of the calls. that
2: uh, He was at the game also, yeah. so uh, we can get a perspective on that. And then we left the rest of the show open. As I said, people want to come up here, rant, rave, talk about it. Like to have, If, if you're a Florida State fan, we really welcome you in to hear your say on this. Dale, where are you going with Ole Miss?
3: Uh, going to the Peach Bowl to uh, be able to take on Penn State, so I look forward to that bowl game.
2: Yeah, and here's the deal, too. Uh, the SEC could not fulfill all their obligations to the various bowls that they would have been involved in. Why? Because they have four teams going to the playoff committee's bowls. So they're in – got Missouri, you got Mississippi, as well as Alabama and Georgia. And that's why they couldn't fulfill some of those lesser bowls, like the Liberty and the Texas Bowl or whatever it is.
1: Uh, So a couple things. Uh, This is what I'm hoping for. I hope Georgia absolutely drops the hammer. In their bowl. I hope they absolutely rock them. One. And then two. This is setting up nicely for an Alabama-Texas rematch. Which will be... Epic, right? Saban, Sark, the whole deal. The the it's 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 fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Well,
2: yeah, and you're right. I agree with you on that. But don't again overlook Washington. A lot of people did. They didn't think they could beat Oregon a second time. True, and I was and one of them. And that game, I was yeah, one of them. And that game on uh, Friday, along with the Jag, I'm in mean the Jag game. The Alabama game on Saturday were the best two games. You talked about the week. The rest of the games, now, I, I I pop in now and then, but most of them were two-digit victories. They weren't close. The Michigan-Iowa game should have... <laughs> never even been played I mean that was ridiculous can you do that again though <laughs> what, a, what an awful game I mean <laughs> the Iowa shut out as bad as their offense was it was worse against Michigan they I mean no they had no competition in your championship game thankfully that's all done we'll never see that again because they they go no divisions next year they the two top teams play out and and like we saw with Alabama and Georgia the two top teams in the SEC and they had one of those iconic games those classic games it was fantastic tv all
1: right so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna do a scoreboard traffic and weather you guys will open up the phone lines in our next segment you guys want to jump in and if you can't come down here a little bit later in the uh, in the morning give us a call 694-1055 the app is popping it's a monday complimentary beignets and coffee in about 45 minutes right here from Dolphins Restaurant where you guys are welcome to join us. We're just getting started on our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com.
4: Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5.
1: Georgia Bulldogs claiming the
5: SEC title for the 30th time in school history. Keep us out! I dare
1: you. 6:22. That, of course, the call of Chris Stewart of the uh, Crimson Tide Sports Network. Of the SEC championship game. Welcome back in our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff uh, from Dolphins Restaurant, where the doors open at 7 a.m. for you. Complimentary beignets and coffee. Come on up, talk some football with us, and oh, yeah, jump on the air with us. Lee just offering up the mic for you guys. We got a call off there, Lee, suggesting that. Uh, Alabama was put in just to stick it to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. As I'm
2: okay with that. Punishment for no, I'm okay with that. Do you think the uh, Big Ten rallied for uh, Alabama to take on Michigan? Uh, I don't think that was don't the think case. I don't think so either. But it, it makes facetious. for good, it, good theater. Anybody besides me think that the uh, interview at right – Right after they announced the And by the way, kudos to ESPN because I had to leave around 11.45. They got it all in before I left. They didn't drag it on for four hours. Well, okay, we've gone through the first 21. Now we're going to get to the uh, final four, three hours into the show. They got it in there quickly. Yeah,
1: and, you know, Booger McFarlane went on this big rant, and, and things got a little testy. Um, he, here's the biggest point you need to understand, and you don't have to like it. You don't even have to respect it. But you have to understand, I thought we've already gotten to this point, but clearly not, that all conferences aren't equal. It's impossible. It's just never going to happen. And just because two conferences have the label of Power Five still does not make them equal year to year, week to week. It just doesn't work like that. And so that's the biggest problem or the biggest misperception that I think people are having problems kind of grasping today or yesterday and that was the case with ACC SEC or ACC in
2: Big Ten or whatever do you think that if the uh, Florida State quarterback was healthy they they would have gotten in see I don't I they, there's speculation but yeah. I don't I really don't now do you not think that the uh, higher-ups at Florida State you know earlier in the year they were talking about getting out of the ACC do you think they're pushing forward on that
1: oh clearly absolutely uh, there is no question. This is a validation of what they have been thinking for a long time. No question. By
2: the way, uh, we are as as has uh, mentioned. 34th Floor Dolphins. Book your holiday parties and make reservations at GoDolphins.com. So uh, we again, I will remind you. Uh, if when you get here, if you we have two tickets to Timber Creek to play golf. Get your cart. Got two tickets to the Jags basketball game against Spring Hill this coming Saturday. And or two tickets to the Jags bowl game. You know, I was checking over. The, the, they're playing at home at Hancock Whitney. I, I was wondering if that's the only time that a team is playing at home. But I noticed Memphis is playing in, I guess, the Liberty Bowl. So that's kind of like home. Boston College has got. Uh, they're playing at Fenway Park. So it's like they don't usually play there. But uh, so there's at least three teams that are, what I would say home field or home court or have at least a uh, home crowd advantage going into bowl games but the uh the 68 ventures bowl jags kane womack will join us at 7:30. they're hosting eastern michigan
1: all right uh somebody suggested we need to check on our good buddy uh, jerry palm he was having a meltdown saturday night uh so we'll have to we'll have to talk to we'll talk to jerry because jerry has been adamant that Alabama was not getting in. And
2: I'll tell you this. You were away, unfortunately, but when Dan Jennings was in uh, replacing you and Danny's at the baseball winter meetings, um, Jerry, of course, talked about that, that there was no way the SEC would get in if Alabama beat Georgia. And instead of moving on, Danny said, wait a minute. And they went on a little – I won't. Yeah, a little bit of a rant. Uh, Danny really took exception with that, and, and turned out he was right. But yeah, Jerry, even up to Sunday morning, had Florida State in. As did many others. Yeah.
1: Uh, so here's my question, guys: Who was most mad? <laughs> so you had Booger McFarlane, Obviously, he was he was fit to be tied. Uh, you have the uh, you have Mike Norvell. Obviously, he, he scathing comments. The AD at Florida State, the ACC Commissioner Danny Connell, was going off. Jerry Palm obviously had all his eggs in that basket. Who do you got? Who who vented? Like who was the most just? You know what's Who was the most ticked
2: off? You know what, what's what's a shame about the whole thing is that maybe, well, number one, this would have been a great year for the 12-team playoff. I think everybody agrees to that. I've heard heard that ad nauseum that this is when they should have, but. That being the case, maybe had a play-in game between Alabama and Florida State to get it right. But then again, that's moving outside the lines the way it's drawn up. So, Good Mark, to say. Game, like the tournament? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, play So, but, but realistically, they were all upset, and, and it'll take a while.
4: I can do this.
6: We believe in you.
4: Each day brings hope.
7: Every day, millions of people celebrate their recovery from addiction and mental illness while others begin their journey. Be a part of it. Share your strength, support, and hope. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24 hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders for you or someone you know, call 1 800 662 HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
1: All right, it's 6.28. Sorry we interrupted our our interruption for regular scheduled broadcasting here. Uh, We only got about 30 seconds here, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Justin Baker. Uh, And let me say this, too, because I know everybody, and I've said it, too, that, you know, no one's been undefeated in the college football playoff world and not been at, you know, Power 5. Man, I know it wasn't the college football playoff, but it's not like we've never experienced this in SEC country. Auburn was the poster child for being left out. So we get it. But I think we've come a long way from that, and there's been so many different data points to be considered. At the end of the day, the committee got it right. They got it right.
2: Yeah, and the other thing, too, I was going to mention, and they did the about-face on the Liberty versus SMU. Everything that they pointed to Alabama to get in, they did the reverse on Liberty, making it to the uh, college football playoff uh, six bowl games, and they're going to be playing Oregon, of all things.
1: All right, we'll actually talk about the actual game, the SEC Championship. Justin Baker's next, right here on the Sports Station W.
8: Well, well again, a wide snap. He's got a wheel rack to Jam Miller! Touchdown, Alabama!
1: 6.32, welcome back in our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. We're broadcasting from Dolphins up here on the 34th floor of the Trustmark building, where in about 30 minutes, the doors and elevators open for you. That's right. Come on up. Take the ride up. Complimentary beignets, complimentary coffee, and of course... You can talk to us on the air. That's right. Lee is saying, open mic, come on up, give us vent, celebrate, tell us where they got it wrong, tell us where they got it right. This is your show today. Come on by and see us in about a half an hour.
2: Hey, by the way, before we get to Justin Baker, just a word about Dolphins. Raise your spirits with Dolphins' signature craft cocktails. they happy hour Opens up at 3 o'clock, and as Dale mentioned, the GM, big doings tomorrow, the opening at Foley of another Victory Grill, Uh, the new menu coming to Dolphins in January, so there's so much to talk about, but there's a lot more to talk about with Alabama and Georgia, and who better than Justin Baker, my good friend, who used to do the Bay Bears, but he's covering sports now in Atlanta, 92.9, the game, Justin, good morning, how are you today?
5: Good morning, Lee, good morning, Mark, I'm doing great, good to talk to you guys again.
2: After the game... You gave it some thought. What was your thought process on the SEC, in particular Alabama, making it to the Final Four?
5: Um, so the the game in particular I thought was a great game. Um, you know, I, I think if you're Georgia and you're mad that you're not in, um, you knew what that game meant. You know, it was a de facto playoff game, right, between the, the two best teams in the SEC. Um, I, the game itself, I thought Georgia – you know, certainly had their gripes and, and with reason to to be upset, uh, certainly the way that the first half ended on the catch to Bond, um, Everybody that I talked to, there's no reason why the play shouldn't have been reviewed. I don't know that it would have gotten overturned. I watched the replay about 327 times. Um, I don't know that you can definitively say that it wasn't a catch, but it certainly looked like it rolled out there at the end. It should have at least been uh, reviewed. And I know that the CBS broadcast talked about that before starting the second half that they were surprised yeah. it was not reviewed. Um, that's a that's a big swing there because you're talking about the following play on that series. Uh, not only does Alabama retain the ball, but they get a touchdown, right? So now you're talking about a seven-point swing. Had Georgia gotten the ball back and maybe even kicked a field goal, now it's a ten-point swing. So um, all that to be said, at the end of the day, I was really impressed with the way that Alabama's offensive line was able to open up the holes for the running backs uh, to hold back Georgia's pass rush. And look, let's not make no bones about it. This Georgia defense is not the same as the the Philadelphia Bulldogs and the NFL, as the Eagles have drafted so many Georgia defensive stars over their last two championship seasons. Um, but at the end of the day, you know Alabama was able to run out the clock and, and make the right plays, and Georgia had their opportunity to stop, them, but didn't. As far as what happened yesterday, I mean, honestly, guys, like I feel like this is a black eye in the weekend of college football, and that is nothing against Alabama. It the question that needs to be asked is, what was the committee's task? Was it? to pick the four best teams that on the eye test today, or was it to pick the four most deserving teams? Because if you're asking me the four best teams, they got it right. The most deserving, it's a black guy for college football and competition overall.
2: So you mentioned about Alabama's running game, okay? But hadn't teams been running on Georgia all season long? I remember Auburn was able to gash them, and that this has been a, a problem area for uh, Kirby Smart's team during the season.
5: Yeah, no, and I think that's it's kind of relative, right? Like, if you're looking at 2021 and 2022, the dogs were allowing less than 80 yards rushing per game, which was the tops in the nation. This year, it was just a shy under, like, 118. I think it was 117.3, right, going into that game. So, yeah, I mean, giving up over 100 yards rushing and comparative to the last two seasons is certainly um, a difference. I mean, you're talking about a 40-yard swing there on average per game. But still, not a bad comparison there. But it just, the way that they opened up the holes, they controlled the line of scrimmage. And Kirby knew it going into it. Nick knew it going into it. The team that was going to win the game was going to be the team that won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And I thought um, you know, Alabama did enough defensively to to get pressure on Carson Beck. Um, They certainly were able to contain the Georgia run game a little bit. Uh, But on the other side of the ball, I mean, it was just, to me, the offensive line for Alabama was the MVP of that game and what they were able to do and allow Milrow, even though he wasn't really throwing the ball around the yard, you know, the first quarter, um, they allowed him enough time to kind of get creative and do what Jalen does, and that was certainly to make big plays when it mattered most.
1: All right, so just a couple things. As you, you mentioned, we kind of got away from it. But I, I think it's pretty clear that the committee's job is to get the four best teams, not the most deserving. I know that's been a big topic of debate, but they that's what they're tasked to do. So I, to your point, which I agree with, I, I think they got it right. Um, I, I agree with you on the bond catch. Uh, the other thought thing that I thought really bit Georgia in the posterior was the back-to-back uh, penalties that that forced him to kick a field goal that was even further right, and that came back to haunt him a little bit too, which was ironic considering that was kind of Alabama early in the year.
5: Yeah, and, and that's I I thought the same thing, Mark. It was like you know back to back PIs that didn't look like PIs. Um, you know the the horse collar that like I, I mean I don't disagree that you could have called it, but like it looked more like the top of the shoulder pads there. Uh, It won play, but I think the PIs were huge because it led to the points, right? That was for sure. So, I mean, you know, to be honest, and I want to be clear. Like, officiating is a terrible job in the sense that when you do your job really, really well, nobody talks about you. You get zero recognition. But when you make one mistake, it is magnified. And it wasn't just the SEC championship game. I watched a lot of football this weekend. And I can tell you, like, across the board up until even the last play of Sunday night football between uh, the Chiefs and the Packers last night, an egregious pass interference call that would have changed probably the outcome of the game was not called. So, like, officiating as a whole lately just hasn't been as consistent maybe in years past. Then again, we now have a 1,000 different camera angles of every play. But, no, I thought, Mark, that was a, a huge opportunity too. But at the end of the day, you know, it did. It did make it. I don't know. That it made a difference because they had opportunities to stop. Them. The, the game, to me, came down to the fumble that Georgia had in their own, you know, red zone, so yeah. to speak, which led to a field goal, and then subsequently, um, their inability to get Alabama off the field there on that final drive. So it's not like Georgia didn't have their chances. I get it. If dogs want to, dog fans want to gripe about it, like it was not. You can understand how, if you're a Georgia fan, it probably didn't feel great. But to your point, Mark, Alabama's been on the other side of that as well. I just. If you're Mike Norvell and you're Florida State, I, I don't know what you tell your kids. Um, Alabama fans know, like, you're starting quarterback in a championship game. You can replace them and maybe get better outcomes. So, uh, you know, does defense not win championships anymore? Was that ignored by Florida State? Um, would Florida State have gotten waxed by, by Michigan? I don't know. Maybe. Like, I don't know that that's the – that's not as uh, – appealing game is Alabama versus Michigan, and if you need any doubt about that, listen to the reaction from the Michigan watch party yesterday when Alabama's A pops up on the screen in the fourth season. They know that's who they're playing at number one, um, but no, I, I definitely feel, if you saw what Jordan Travis tweeted out, like he wished that he broke his, broke his leg sooner so we could see that their quarterback is is not like the team. Um, I thought that was kind of sad. I, I would have loved to seen Florida State get an opportunity because now my question is, what happened If Florida State does beat UGA in their bowl game, the two-time defending national title champs who may not play their best players because really if if you're Alabama and Georgia, you're not playing a a bowl game that doesn't mean anything, right? You're going to have your best players sit out. You're ready for the draft. So if they go undefeated and either Alabama or Texas is to come out on top and win the title, now you have only one undefeated team in a Power 5 conference not get a shot to play for the playoffs. I think that's where it would be Uh, A real black guy. So if you're the committee, you're really hoping that the dogs can knock out Florida State, uh, you know, there in in their bowl game and and maybe end that conversation there.
2: You uh, texted me during the game and about the officiating, about replays and so forth. We already talked about the big one with with the bond catch. Were there many others? Because we have Dean Wake coming on a little later on that maybe we could address any other issues that you saw should have applicable to that game.
5: I saw on both sides that they were letting them play in the trenches. And uh, there were a couple occasions where, you know, I looked to the person next to me and said, like, that's holding, right? And we're all in agreement that that's uh, holding. Um, Georgia had a couple times where when they had some big plays, it looked like they were they're holding back the Alabama team on the other side, right? Like, I thought the tide had got away with some holding calls. But at least in that re- sense, I didn't feel like it was – I will not want to say one-sided, but it wasn't egregious. Like, you could kind of get away with it, let them play. And I thought, like, to Mark's point about the PIs earlier in the game, like, it's okay if you want to call that or don't call it, but it, it didn't seem consistent. Like, either let them play and let them be physical or let them understand that, hey, like, you put your hands up on a guy's shoulder, whether you grab the jersey or not, that's going to be a penalty. Well, at least there's consistency and both teams know what is and what isn't going to be called, whether it's going to be ticky-tack or not. So... Um, yeah I mean, to answer your question, Lee, I think there were, like those are the highlighted ones, the p i s um, you know of course, the bond catch, but I thought in the trenches there were some opportunities there that were missed, um, but again, at the end of the day, i don 't know that it changed the final outcome because they had their opportunities it's just it 's a shame that on monday morning it 's still a topic of conversation is to whether or not those calls were missed. And also, again, like, let's be honest, in the scheme of college football, on the SEC championship game, that is the biggest stage on Saturday afternoon was that game on CBS. And so to have those calls either called or not called, um, I think it's magnified right there as opposed to any other Saturday in the South.
2: All right. We'd be remiss, though, if uh, we reflect on that win. Jalen Milrow keeps coming up with huge plays when they need him the most. He seems to come through, especially late in the game after Georgia scored and Alabama comes right back thanks to you know Milrow running the football, uh, teaming up with Bond or whoever. I, I just think we you know as far as praiseworthy and positive notes, he's had quite a finish to this this first year as a starter.
5: He has, and I mean, it goes back to the argument that Florida State's trying to make that uh, you know, quarterbacks can be uh, exchanged and you can still have the other 10 guys on the field make a difference, uh, because you got to remember at the beginning of the year, I mean, I-, I go back to, I don't know why, I didn't agree with it, that Milroe was benched, right? And we went through a little bit of a quarterback carousel there for a minute down in those loses, so um, his maturation throughout the season, I mean, his athletic ability was never in question. But his decision making and what he means to that offense has certainly uh, grown as the season's gone on, and I think it's just a compliment to what not only what he can do, but also the the trustworthiness that the coaches have in him. and And you've heard Saban talk about it. I mean, they're just like, "Go, Jalen! Like, do your thing!" and he's been able to do it um, throughout the the season. I mean, again, what he did in that All- the Auburn game was was incredible, and a lot of people thought that that was like a Hail Mary prayer, but he knew exactly where he was going the entire time. Um, he's made it a point that he is a pocket passer. That's the way he views himself. He certainly threw a dart to Bond there at the end and uh, on the planes. And then what he was able to do on Saturday as well, and when he needs to turn it on with his legs, I mean, his, he's breaking ankles out there. It's impressive. And I think it is what is ultimately going to carry the tide into a rematch with Texas for the national title. And I think that the advantage would go to Alabama, and we're going to continue to see the dominance that is the SEC. And uh, I, I just have a good feeling, based on what I saw on Saturday and what the matchups look like in a month from now, that the favorite right now has got to be Milro and the, the Tide going into the, the playoffs.
1: Hey, Justin, great stuff, man. Thanks so much for coming aboard with us. We really do appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care, guys. Yep.
2: You know, Mark, uh, over the years, and going even back to my, uh, I guess, 8, nine, ten, I've unfortunately had to go to the dentist a lot of times. And I want to say that I, I've been fortunate lately since coming to Mobile. My dentist, John, and the uh, oral surgeon, uh, Chris Mullinex, who he recommended I go see for dental implants. I've been very lucky. You look for professionalism. You look for consistency. And very personable, too. And that means a lot to me because I'm have many years have had issues with my teeth where it didn't go well, uh, for whatever reasons. But with Dr. Mullinix that was not the case. So one hundred percent that's why I refer recommend people you don't need a referral, but I do recommend if you need any kind of oral surgery, mobile oral and facial surgery, they're located at seven fifteen downtown or boulevard. If you have day of emergency, they'll likely Get to see you in the afternoon. If you give them a call at four seven one thirty three eighty one, they're all about dental implants, wisdom teeth, the jaw surgery, anything you can think of. I recommend that uh, you go see Dr. Christopher Mullinix.
1: All right. So uh, coming up on the other side of this break, you'll got you guys will get a chance to uh, to chime in at six nine four one zero five five. In 15 minutes or so, the doors are open. Come on by and see us at Dolphins, 34th floor of the Trustmark building. That's right. We have uh, tickets to give away to the bowl game here. South playing in. We got some uh, basketball tickets at South playing in. We got a couple of golf passes to Timber Creek we're giving away. Uh, and there's complimentary beignets and coffee. So there's really no reason not to come up here and hang out with us. We'll continue to talk about the SEC championship game, the college football playoff. Coming up at 7, we'll talk some NFL Ross Jackson. We got a lot going on. What a time to be on the radio talking sports. It's the Monday Morning Quarterback edition of the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP.
8: Hey, this is Stuart Sink from the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNSP
0: Sports Radio in Mobile. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A.
3: Alright,
1: 652 and wrapping up a uh, energetic first hour of the Monday morning quarterback from I Dolphins, and you got a little daily dish of fried deliciousness.
2: The uh, crimson tide has owned the month of December. The victory on Saturday was their 16th straight win in the month of December. For a Chick-fil-A gift card, call Michael, 694-1055, and tell him who was the last team to beat Alabama in the month of December. If you know the answer, 694 694- 1055. You know, Mark, uh, just a, a quick getaway from Alabama and the college football playoff, although it is kind of tied in. Tulane, you talk about uh, a big loser over the weekend, uh, as Florida State was, Tulane was also. Not only did they lose to SMU and lose the opportunity to be involved in the college football playoff uh, bowl lineup of six, but they also lost their head coach, Willie Fritz, is leaving to go to Houston. Yeah,
1: All right, you guys can jump in. The elevators here are going to start moving in about seven minutes, so come on up and see us. So we were talking about the SEC championship game, and what I thought was most impressive about Alabama's performance was we often talk about teams having to overcome that wave of momentum early in a game by an opponent. I thought that's exactly what Alabama did. I thought I thought Georgia played exceptionally well early on, and I thought Alabama had to withstand that first wave of momentum and emotion, and they did it. I thought we didn't get a chance to talk to Justin about it, but there were times where Georgia tried to spy Milrow with two guys, right? So they only rushed, I think, three, maybe four sometimes. That really put a lot of pressure on the back end because they couldn't get pressure on Milrow. Milrow wasn't running, and so guys were kind of running open at times. It was a little bit of a different way of trying to defend Milrow. And I thought at times it backfired on Georgia. One of the other things that people uh, aren't talking about is Georgia had the really great punt return with about 12 minutes left that really put them in a situation where they could ultimately take control of the game. And I thought Alabama's defense clamped down. We talk about the, the trenches in the offensive line and, of course, Alabama's offense. But I thought Alabama's defense, something that we've talked about quite a bit all season, really, really got the job done.
2: Yeah, Georgia got off to that quick start. And obviously, I'm sure there were a lot of Alabama fans who were a little bit concerned at the way Georgia was able to go up and down the field. In fact, on that drive, which I think was around 80, 85 yards, that that drive by Georgia uh, ate up as much yardage as the three next drives by Georgia could only accumulate 60 yards because then it was like three and out or something like that. What I, what I liked was that Alabama did not deviate from the game plan and stayed with the running game early. Uh, taking advantage of their, as you said, the trenches, the offensive line, able to push the football, Royce Williams, Miller, guys like that, and, of course, Jalen Milrow. So that I thought sticking to the game plan, which was basically to run the football because other teams have run successfully against Georgia, so why not Alabama? And the fact that you didn't get away from what – you were planning to do just because you fell behind seven nothing and didn't panic and starting you know to start trying throwing the football all over the place.
1: So uh, I'll, the other thing I wanted to say was, Alabama fans, has this not been? Now I know at times frustrating, but has this not been one of the more interesting and entertaining seasons under Nick Saban? You start their obvious their obvious issues, right? They they haven't come together as a team. You're not developed your quarterback. You're, there are struggles, but to watch this team evolve and then ultimately get to where very few people thought they were going to get to back in August and September, I think has been highly entertaining, and as far as I can remember, probably one of the more successful years in Alabama football, right, especially under Nick Saban, right? It's one thing to go wire to wire and now have that dominance over everybody, but to see that maturation and to overcome the obstacles, and then to turn around and beat a team that had won 29 straight. Man, I, I think this one will go down as one of the more memorable years in in, in the Saban.
2: Yeah, when you Saban. think about what that uh, South Florida game, and I know there were a lot of Alabama fans who were ready to jump off ship then, but you're right, and, and many have said this, that this may be his finest coaching effort ever. That's hard to... That's hard to assimilate because he's had so many great years. I mean, you know, you, you, every year there's going to be bends and uh, changes and, and personnel and things like that. But I think because of the quarterback issue and the fact that you had a new offensive coordinator, there was a lot of concern and things weren't going well maybe early on. So I'd certainly agree with you there that has been beyond more than interesting because – after the loss to texas and the debacle even though they beat south florida there was a lot of concern about some of those games yet they were able to win continue winning and then the miracle play at auburn and going into uh, atlanta to beat georgia uh, speaks volumes of this kind of season so and if you also remember i don't know i can't remember but i don't think uh, nick saban when he's won his championships has he had it done it with a perfect season have they ever gone 15 and 0s under saban i don't think so but i could be wrong on that so there's hope now. Uh, they beat Michigan, then either Texas or Washington, and I'm sure Alabama fans are amped up and feel that they can, uh, you know, take care of business. Going to the Rose Bowl, by the way, uh, I think this is the eighth time that uh, they're going, and Michigan's going for like the 21st time. But Michigan hasn't been to the Rose Bowl, believe it or not, in 17 years. Alabama
1: went 13 and 0 back in 20.
2: Uh, and I thought there was, did they win? Oh, that was the COVID year. Okay. That was the COVID year. Um, and
1: then one more, they went, uh, was it Oh nine. That was BCS year. Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, he's done it, uh, for sure. All right. So coming up in our number two. We'll kick things off with a little NFL talk. Ross Jackson's going to join us. We'll have Millite Miller Lite golf report. Kane Womack, the South Alabama coach, is expected to join us as well. And, of course, we'll be hoping to see you guys here at Dolphins where uh, the doors are open for you. Complimentary beignets and coffee. Come check out The View. Talk some football with us. It's going to be a lot of fun for the next couple of hours. We want to hear from you guys on all things. The college football playoff, the matchup with Michigan, the SEC championship game, Florida State. Do they have a gripe? Who was the most angry over the weekend as a result of that decision? And did the committee get it right? You know where we stand, and if you're just joining us, we'll restate those uh, those opinions when we come back. Hour number one in the book. Here comes hour number two. It's the Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station from Dolphins Restaurant right here on the Sports Station WNSP.
0: kickoff on the country's first fm all sports radio station 105.5 fm wnsp and on the sound of mobile app the latest sports news traffic weather and timely guests with mark heim lee Chevanian, and michael brauner the opening kickoff the opening kickoff here are mark lee and michael
1: hour number two. The time has come for you. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Come join us, our Monday morning quarterback edition of the show at Dolphins Restaurant. That's right, on the 34th floor of the Trustmark building. The doors are open. The elevators are working. Complimentary beignets and coffee. Plenty of giveaways and a chance for you to come on the air and voice your opinion about Alabama in the college football playoff.
2: All right, uh, headlines before we talk, Saints, uh, Alabama is in the final four, undefeated Florida State is out. The college football playoff lineup, New Year's Day, pitting four-seed Alabama against the top-seed Michigan in the Rose Bowl. That's a four-o'clock game, followed by the Sugar Bowl featuring second-seed Washington against the third-seed Texas with the winners vying for the national title in Houston on January the 8th. Other bowl news, Auburn going to the Music City Bowl. They'll take on Maryland December 30th. And South Alabama is staying home December 23rd in the 68 Ventures Bowl at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. Kane Womack will join us in about 30 minutes, and we've got two tickets for the first-come, 1st first serve. if you want tickets to that uh, bowl game. So that that was kind of the big news. Uh, the SEC did very well in getting teams into the college football playoff uh lineup with Ole Miss Missouri and Georgia uh, getting into the major bowls and the other bowl news Liberty (laughs) this is they're undefeated they're the top ranked team for the non-power five teams and they face Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl all right let's talk some NFL football Saints have dropped out of first place they're a game behind Atlanta Atlanta won. Saints lost to tell us about it Ross Jackson from Saints podcast Ross good morning how you doing today Hey buddy, doing great, doing great. Thanks for just always for having me on. Okay, so I'm out at a restaurant, but they had the Saints game on and so I couldn't pay total attention and I look up and they're down twenty one to nothing in the first quarter. What happened?
9: Uh, yeah, just I mean another slow start for this offense, another slow start for this defense. I mean, I'm not gonna bore everybody with a play by play, but I mean, you know, it was just one of those situations <laughs> where you saw that this team, you know, was not ready again, uh, to come out swing in at the beginning of the game. Uh, and then dug themselves in a hole that started with effectively, um, you know, a slow start over on defense on the tackling side and interception early on offense, which was a, a pass that was delivered well by uh, Derek Carr, but bounced off the hands of uh, Juwan, uh, Juwan Johnson. And then, uh, you know, not too long later, you end up with another intercept or another uh, touchdown in the end zone as well. So last week, it was a lot of issues with turnovers in the red zone. This week it was a lot of issues with turnovers in their own territory.
1: So Ross, I gotta ask. Let's 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 fast forward to the end of the game because Carr gets knocked out. And look, I'm not the biggest Carr fan in the world, clearly, but I'll tell you, I'll say this: the way they were playing at the end of the game, he's still in the game. They win that game. With that said, I, J- the Jameis Winston experience continues to to haunt and taunt me. Uh, he had a lot on two different throws that would have extended drives and and just fa- and just missed him completely. Uh, there was even questioned by the national broadcast about why not play Taysom. There was one where he missed a lave, but there was a clear open lane he could have run. Taysom would have taken off and hell, he could have scored probably knowing the way he can run the ball.
9: Yeah, I mean it's it's challenging, right? I mean, if you're if you're a New Orleans Saints offense, do you forego effectively 3 quarters of your playbook to put Taysom Hill in at quarterback, right? Cuz Taysom doesn't take any snaps on the center. So that takes away your entire under playbook, or uh, under center playbook, and then you know, he doesn't. You know, a lot of the playbook is also built for him to have packages. So you lose that portion of the playbook as well. So it, it's a little challenging. It's a little tricky when you have a guy that you know is a very talented player and is really effective with the ball in his hand, but you lose effectively a you know a humongous chunk of your playbook by turning to him at quarterback as opposed to going to uh, going to Jameis Winston. And so, it, I, I don't know, I think it's a tougher decision than the commentators might have made it out to be. I don't know, I was at the stadium, so I didn't hear what they said. But I, I would imagine that, you know, the Saints' decision to go with Jameis is that they can maintain their playbook in that way, um, and then still be able to use Taysom Hill in all the ways they would usually utilize Taysom Hill, which is a lot. I mean, he took 16 snaps at quarterback. Uh, this week, so he effectively played quarterback. so, um, you know, it's it's a challenging thing, um, for sure, to figure out, you know, what the best situation there could have been in hindsight, uh, but you know, we've also seen Jameis Winston lead this team down and score touchdowns uh, just, just a couple of weeks ago, so I don't really blame them for going to Jameis, that only seemed to be the thing that they were going to do um, in those situations, you know, if, if Derek would have been knocked out, Dennis Allen kind of confirmed that after the game, that that's their, that that's their game plan, because they want to maintain what Taysom Hill can do, but I imagine they also don't want to give up their entire under-center playbook well.
2: So let me ask you this, because I, I bought into the Saints hype early in the year. I mean, I really thought they'd have a, a better-than-500 season right now. They're really struggling. They trail Atlanta by a full game. Are there factors inside the clubhouse? Are there chemistry issues? Are there external factors as to why this team is not playing better?
9: Uh, no, I think a lot of it just comes down to coaching. I mean, the fact that this team hasn't been ready to... Play, you know, several weeks now, and we've we've sort of recycled now the same talking points over and over again. Not because we're lazy, but because we're being given the same things. Um, I, I think a, a lot of it comes down to coaching after a certain situation. I mean, uh, how how long are, we, are you? Know, how long is it acceptable for a team to just come out flat and not be ready to play? You know what I mean? And so uh, I think a lot of that comes down to those areas. Those areas need to be questioned. Um, I imagine that those are going to be questions that are going to be had during the off season, not during the regular season. Um, and, you know, from that point forward, just figuring out how, you know, what this team looks like for its future. But I think yeah, I think we just watched a game that um, effectively uh, ended up impacting the New Orleans Saints' future uh, a lot more than maybe we anticipated, a game that everyone kind of expected them to lose
0: would.
2: Yeah, and also I should say something positive about Alvin Kamara, set a New Saints rushing record yep. for touchdowns. Yeah, he was uh,
9: excellent. I mean, he's got this new Saints. Uh, he holds that record for rushing touchdowns. He also holds the record now for uh, yards from scrimmage, career uh, all-time leader in yards for uh, yards from scrimmage, excuse me, uh, over Chuck Marcus Colson for that uh, during that game. Uh, you know, going into this game against the Detroit Lions, my thing around how the Saints should attack this team was to effectively run their offense through Alvin Kamara and run their offense through Taysom Hill. I thought they actually did a pretty good job doing that. Um, and I think that that's what they should continue to do here throughout the rest of the season. You know, Alvin Kamara was the one that came out and said, hey, I'm not sure that we have an identity, so build the identity around him. You know, he's your leader. He's the best player on your team, according to Jameis Winston. I think that's something that you look at moving forward, and I said that the Saints did a very good job of yesterday, despite the fact that it couldn't lift to a win.
2: The other thing, too, is how did they make an All-American or an All-Pro out of that tight end for the Lions? Laporta had the game of his life.
9: Yeah, and I mean, he's been he's been effective all season, but, man, was he effective against New Orleans. And now this is kind of the third tight end, the third NFC North tight end to go off on the New Orleans Saints, right? Cole Komet from the Chicago Bears had two catches. Actually, Luke Musgrave had a really good game with the Packers, too. So this NFC North tight end giving the Saints a lot of trouble. T.J. Hodginson goes over 120 yards and a half. Uh, Sam LaPorta goes over 140 yards in this game, so they made a very conscious effort to take wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown out of the game, and in doing that, you open up opportunities elsewhere. The Detroit Lions and Sam LaPorta did a good job being available, making them available, and being able to uh, take advantage of that area of the playbook while the Saints were focused in on St. Brown.
1: Hey, man, as always, we appreciate you uh, stopping by. Tell us how people can, can continue to fo- follow your coverage of all things New Orleans Saints. Yeah, it's, yeah
9: absolutely, guys. It's a pleasure. Um, you can find the Locked on Saints podcast free and available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked on Saints. You can find all the written work as well over at Saints News Network. That's Sports illustrated fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can find it all in one place uh, on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, NOLA, NOLA.
1: Hey, man, thanks for the time as always. We'll be in touch. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Take care. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Sounds good. Uh, 714, here we are uh, at Dolphins Restaurant, the beignets, and uh, Dale's is waiting for you guys to come on up and uh, get on the mic with us. We got plenty of giveaways for you. We'll set the table for you when we come back. Here comes the scoreboard traffic and weather. We'll do our middle golf report. We'll get back to the CFP in Alabama, and of course, your comments in the app. Stay with us right here on the sports station, WNSP.
8: Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5.
1: Thanks for hanging with us on this Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. The beignets are out. The coffee is made. We are here at Dolphins Restaurant, 34th floor of the Trustmark building. Come on by and see us. we got some giveaways, and you can jump on the air and give us your take on the college football playoff.
2: All right, let's turn to golf. Uh, the Bahamas, they had that tournament, uh, Tigers tournament. He played. Scotty Sheffer, the winner. John Ricchetti, front and center with the Miller Lite Golf Report. Johnny, good morning. How are you today?
10: I'm doing good. Uh, doing good, Lee. Yeah, it, uh, I guess it was a success for Tiger Woods uh, as he was the host of the Hero World Challenge. As you mentioned, Scotty Scheffler uh, ended up at 20 under par, put a statement on the season on why he's the number one player in the world, led, it, it led in pretty much every category uh, this season, driving driving, and, uh, you know, approach to green and so forth. The one thing that lacked Scotty Scheffler was his putting and uh, in the last couple of months, he's been working with Phil Kenyon and obviously it paid dividends this weekend as uh, uh, he ended up winning the hero world challenge. And even though it's an unofficial event, uh did get world ranking points. So Scotty Shuffler will uh, start the 2024 season as the world's number one player. As, mo- as far as Tiger Woods go, ended up at even par in the tournament, uh, you know, finished all four rounds. I thought, uh, he looked quite well. He had, he uh, possessed some power out there. Uh, so I think things look good so far from what I've seen as far as uh, his ankle and so forth. In Tiger Woods, as I mentioned last week, his intentions is to play a tournament per month in the 2024 season. And uh, he'll be scheduled to go this week. Uh, I think it's this weekend or the following weekend in the PNC Championship with his son, Charlie Woods so that's the next time we'll be seeing Tiger Woods but other than all uh, I thought it was a good event down in the Bahamas and congratulations to Scotty Scheffler. We'll be on the air tonight live at uh, six o'clock from Felix's Fish Camp as the USGA and RNA will make a joint conference this week announcement about rolling the golf ball back uh, so the golf ball, I think starting in 2027, uh, the manufacturer will have to build a new golf ball, a golf ball that will uh, not go as far. And this will be a worldwide implement, implementation. So even a recreational golfer will see a distance shortage. So we'll get it out. We'll talk about that and uh, a lot more to talk about tonight at 6 o'clock live from Felix's Fish Camp.
2: Johnny, we really appreciate it. Speaking of golf, we got two tickets to Timber Creek that mark coughed up for me to give away that that sounds good so if you want to come by and grab those or two tickets to the jags bowl game or two tickets to the jag basketball game against spring hill you know mark under the category of well who did not have a good week can't compare let's say the disappointment with smu to florida state obviously that takes priority but to some degree the officials of smu felt shafted when liberty undefeated Got into the bowl lineup, the college football playoff, their New Year's bowls games as the best uh, non-Power 5 team to go up against Oregon because in every category, schedule strength, whatever, uh, SMU had it over Liberty. The, The big difference there was SMU had two losses, Liberty had none oh see wow but the so are you saying
1: there's a we're consistently inconsistent that's in the exactly that's football? my point
2: because they looked at all they looked at say yeah well you know it's easy to fall back well liberty's undefeated so SMU yeah they had a much better schedule they beat power five teams liberty didn't have any of that but just think about this just a year ago Hugh Freeze was coaching liberty he leaves 13 and 0 this year and they're going to a major major bowl game to take on Oregon my first thought was does Bo Nix play in this game
1: uh, Does he care? It wouldn't surprise me if he did, actually, based on some of the comments he made after the game. So, here, by the way, a point of clarification we're, we're, we're joking about the consistently inconsistent nature of college football. Truth, be, I think we all understand and know, though, if Alabama had two losses, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So, losses and games do matter. Uh, there's kind of a sliding scale to it all. But, look, the committee got it right with Alabama anyway. I think the interesting debate, though, is if you're Georgia, any other year, you probably still get in. As a number one that had gone undefeated from wire to wire and loses a three-point game in the championship of your Power Five conference, I think in any other year, I think Georgia gets in. Um, now, my question is, how much did Texas get in because, oh, we got to put Texas in, they beat Alabama, or how much is it that they deserve that number three
2: spot? That's that's where I am on Texas. That's the question I have for about Texas. When you look at the four teams now. Texas is a future SEC school. Washington a future Big Ten. Big Ten gets two. SEC gets See,
1: two. See, look, and we, we all got it early. At least you and I, and I think everybody on this show, probably got it wrong with the the Pac-12 and Washington. So I give them credit. But I, I had that right. Did that's, you know that
2: right? That was one of the few I had you right. You thought
1: Washington was going to beat Oregon? I did say that on I, the air. I just yes. don't know how good... Washington is on the the national. We go well, find well out. Well, they're better than Oregon. True, but if we really wanted to put the four best teams in, and I thought Heather Dinnage made a great. I think it was Heather Dinnage, or maybe maybe it was.
2: <laughs> There's so many talking.
1: Maybe <laughs> maybe it was Rutledge who talked about Georgia getting in. Like if they really wanted the best teams in there, there was a lot. Of, and I know the, the reaction was immediate and everybody was still very emotional. A lot of reaction right after the SEC championship game that both Alabama and Georgia deserve to be in. And we get to that whole d- deserving versus earning part and all that. But I think... They could. I think Georgia could make a compelling argument for
2: getting in. They could, but there was no way that could happen. There was no way the committee could do that. They they knew they were going to take. You want their, to see
1: the world melt? Like you yeah. want to see the the college you, football? You world knew the
2: committee was going to take hits all over the place for just putting Alabama in. There was no way in the world you were going to leave out a thirteen and zero Washington team with two wins over Oregon. It just wasn't going to happen. Whether you think they're better than Washington, and again, till they play each other, you don't know. And the problem with some of these bowl games you mentioned, Georgia and Florida State, we don't know who's even going to play in the game. As far as players, we don't know if players are going to bow out, look to the NFL. We don't know if there's going to be transfers. There's just so much, so many moving parts in college football. The only thing we're assured of. I'd like to be assured of that in this the the final four teams will stay pretty well intact at least until after their games
1: uh, But and I've said this I said this off there but if if georgia and florida state were to play on a, on a on field where in a game that really mattered in a college football playoff game I, I don't count these other bowls when they don't get to their ultimate goal georgia As as danny cannell would say would boat race would just house them would kill them now Somebody in the app says, why do we still have subjectivity in the highest level of college football? It's just dumb. Here's why. Because not every conference is built equally. This isn't the NFL where it's built on parity and you, 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 you get to draft based on how you did last year and everybody's drafting from the same draft pool and it's based on parity. That's not what we have here. College football was never designed to have a, a national champion when it was first started way back in Lee's pre-adolescent days. Now that we won a championship, you have to come up with some sort of way to judge who the best teams are. And the opponents aren't the same. The conference strengths aren't the same. The schedules, the schedule strength, the record strength, none of that is the same. So you have to have this arbitrary way of trying to come up with it. This is as good as it's gotten or it's ever been. It doesn't mean it's good. It just continues to evolve. And whether you think this is not going to be solved with 12, we'll have the same conversation. Again, the Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff continues from Dolphins. That's right. We're on the 34th floor overlooking the world. And uh, you guys can join us. That's right. Complimentary beignets, complimentary coffee available right and now. Uh, Man, this is an award-winning establishment. Best restaurant in Mobile, according to AL.com. Best place to take out uh, towners, according to Lanyard Weekly. Best happy hour. Best atmosphere. Best overall restaurant. It doesn't get much better than Dolphins. Come on up, check out The View, and uh,
2: talk some college football with us. Best radio talk show host on a Monday from 6 to 9? Yeah, I'd say so. Who's the best host? You. Oh, wow. There you go. Also, uh, today's special, special, Corky Granny's Kineca Tomato Gravy. That's the special today. They open up for lunch at 11. Mark and I have been kind of going over our... Thoughts on menu. You like the shrimp and grits? I'm going to pretty well stay with seafood today also uh, when we get that opportunity. But right now, we want to bring in the head coach of the South Alabama Jags, Kane Womack. As the announcement was made yesterday that it's now called locally the 68 Ventures Bowl, Hancock-Whitney Stadium, December 23rd, featuring the South Alabama Jags. Kane, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good to be on with you all. Hey, so what was your reaction when you found out the Jags are staying put in the bowl game?
6: Uh, you know, I've been uh, uh, really excited about the opportunity for it, and I've kind of uh, we haven't we haven't known uh, for sure that that's what's happening for for a while now. But we we had you know the idea that this is something that could um, uh, be be put in place, and that we could be invited to to Mobile's bowl game, and and um, I just think. You know the direction that the the university is going, and uh, and the the way that we are pulling the rope in the same direction as the city of Mobile and our surrounding community uh, that there there needed to be a time where Mobile's football team played in Mobile's bowl game, and uh, this is this just seems like a tremendous opportunity for everybody involved, and um, I think our coaches and players are really excited to to represent our community um, in the 68 Ventures Bowl.
2: So it's kind of rare for a team to play locally. I notice Memphis is staying in Memphis, Boston College. But this doesn't happen very often where you basically have home field advantage like this.
6: Yeah, you know, I mean, there's – it it will be – it will be a different experience um for our players and for our fans um and we'll we'll kind of unpack more of that i think in the coming days of of what the game is actually going to look like and you know where's where are people sitting and and you know all, all of those things right it it will feel a little bit different um but i think that's a good thing i think you know we we it'll it'll be a um uh, uh, having a, a different experience in your own stadium, um, I think is is something that we all can get excited about. And uh, you know, we we're going to have a bowl experience for our players. You know, we're going to go stay downtown. Um, at the uh, Renaissance Hotel, and and we're going to go through the the same bowl events and and all those things, which is really great, uh, kind of a staycation, if you will. Uh, but then at the same time, we're going to be able to utilize you know some of our facilities uh, for practices and some of the things that we do to kind of stay on our routine, which is great as well. So there there's a lot of a lot of positives to be drawn from it, but um, but certainly just to have to have. Um, our, our football team playing this game is, is special.
2: In this day and age of moving parts, players coming, going, the portal, and everything, I know it's probably too early to ask you, but do you have any thoughts on your roster as far as you know players sitting out or or how that is going to evolve?
6: Well, I think those are the questions and the things that you know every coach is dealing with right now. I mean, you kind of got to figure out, um, you know where you know who who is available through injuries um you you know the the transfer portal is a is a new dynamic to that you've got guys that you know are preparing for uh their their next opportunity um in the nfl and so those are some things that we're kind of we're working through you know as we go right now so um you know colin Lacey is an example you know is in in the has entered the transfer portal really kind of the first time that we've gone through this um, having someone that we didn't want necessarily right in there. But, but, but at the same time, we're, you know, we've been kind of walking through with him step-by-step so that he can um, explore all of his options um, before he makes a decision on, on what he wants to do with his future. So uh, that's just kind of the the world of of college football now. And uh, some of it is, is, is hard some of it is 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 not good for the game some of it is is really good for the game Um, and so those are the things that we're you know you're just kind of learning to navigate as we go
2: yeah you mentioned Colin Lacey now again he has options he can come back to south am I right about that and and unless he decides to move on
6: sure yeah there's a number of options you know uh, for him both both at the collegiate level and then potentially moving on you know with his with his professional career and so there's a there's a a few things that we're kind of working through right now and um just having that open line of communication i think those are things that um you know that i try to be i don't want to i don't want to pigeonhole someone i don't want to make someone feel uh, like they're not able to um, explore what, what they think may be best for them. And so I think open line of communication in those things, I think, is the is the key uh, because there's a lot of misinformation. As you start to look into the transfer portal, there's a lot of misinformation about um, name, image, and likeness opportunities financially for, for these young men. And uh I think we gotta let our yes be yes or our no be knowing these things. I think we gotta we gotta be able to tell the truth and uh, as I, as you dig deeper into this thing it just seems like both coaches, players, um, NIL representatives, agents, whatever you wanna call them, there's a lot of um a lot of misinformation <laughs> I think is the easiest way to put that. And so uh we, we just we wanna try to do right by by our players and and, and then of course we wanna try to retain uh this football team.
1: Uh, Coach, so how much? I mean, there's never really a good time for for you guys to have to deal with this kind of stuff, right? Because you're trying to prepare your team. You're you're obviously having conversations with your guys. How much of your time is spent kind of keeping an eye on the portal for any potential additions to your team this time of year?
6: Yeah, you know, obviously that's a dynamic um, that that we have to be mindful of as well. I mean, we the you know the transfer portal. There's been. Um, uh, players, uh, the last few years that that you know have helped our football program um, out of the transfer portal, and so you know I would say that the first couple of years, uh, because there were some things that we felt like we needed to do to our roster um, that we wanted to go ahead and and um, and and be a little bit more aggressive out of the transfer portal. I think that we have recruited at a very high level. Um, out of the high school market the last couple of years, and so there's some younger... Players that have played, you know, sparing or um, you know, special teams roles, or all those things that I think are getting ready to elevate themselves to a huge role this season, um, and so I don't think we have to be quite as aggressive in the transfer portal as we had been, you know, the first two three years here, um, and so I think that's the model that that hopefully we'll be able to sustain moving forward is a little bit less in the transfer portal, um, and, and it gives you a chance to to develop some of these these talented high school players. You know, I think that's what that's what building a program should look like. And that's what, you know, is one of the advantage of being a head coach going into your fourth season as opposed to, you know, a coach on the front end that you you feel like, hey, you walk in the door and you got about two and a half years to prove yourself.
2: (laughs) South Alabama football coach Kane Walmack joining us talking about the Jags hosting Eastern Michigan December 23rd at Hancock Whitney Stadium. Kane, is it too early uh, if you could update us the status of your quarterback Carter Bradley as far as coming off that injury, whether he'd be available to play in that game? I, I
6: think uh, I think we're all optimistic. You know, we've really just kind of um, – uh held serve here with with him uh we haven't we haven't asked him to do really much physically this week uh just cuz we wanted him to rest um so that you know he knowing that we were you know potentially 3 weeks out still from the game which is what we are right now um i guess a little under that at this point on monday but uh but we felt like let's give him some rest uh, first and uh and that'll maximize his opportunities for the game but uh no I think I think all of us are are optimistic at this point but it's probably something that we'll uh we'll look more into uh, on the back end of this week and then and then kind of you know identify our our plan from them so you know that's one thing that I guess is a positive you know you you've got three quarterbacks that have really uh all done some some special things when they've gotten in there obviously Carter's had a tremendous season uh, you know, and a number of areas as are uh, over the last two years, really. Uh, and then, you know, Dez came in the game the other day against Texas State had a really tremendous game. And then, you know, Gio Lopez has got a really bright future as well. So, uh, there's when you're when you're preparing for us in a bowl game, there's there's a number of variables that you're going to have to deal with, uh, I guess, as as we get closer to game day.
1: Kane, as always, man, we appreciate the time. Good to catch up with you. Congrats on the bowl, and uh, we look forward to talking again real soon.
6: Awesome. All right. Well, you guys enjoy that view up there in Dolphins. That's that's one of my favorites in Mobile. So, y'all have a good one. Jay's up in Elio.
2: Thank you, sir. Should mention that the uh, winner of the Sunbelt Conference Title Championship, Troy, they're going to the Birmingham Bowl. So kudos to them. And I did want to mention, since we'd mentioned uh, some players, uh, a major recruiting coup for Auburn. Uh, it actually, I think, happened on Friday. Oh yeah, with Cam Coleman. Of central of phoenix city flipped from texas a&m to auburn
1: huge look any other weekend we're probably starting with that it just that is a huge auburn news and we'll, we'll get into that throughout the course of the week because that cannot be ignored and i'm glad you brought it up uh what they're doing from a recruiting standpoint now there's some talk about Another guy in the state maybe doing a little
2: flip, which would be even bigger news. Well, as I kind of joked around, uh, for those who, they had a whole bunch of players, uh, Auburn did at the uh, Iron Bowl game. And I said as much that if those, uh, if they're the receivers were looking out on the field, they say, my gosh, I can do that. As far as some of the Auburn receivers having their difficulty hanging on to passes, well, now you got if, – if everything works out well and he stays with that commitment, Cam Cameron, uh, you've got uh, Perry Thompson from this area. And, and Mark was referencing rumors that maybe Ryan Williams, who is committed to Alabama, who has said that he's going to have a major announcement after the championship game this coming Friday, whether that would entail that or maybe uh, some other uh, element uh, of his future. But, uh, yeah, we are – look, I I wanted to keep today open for – anybody like George Borlock for coming on and ranting and raving or uh, anybody else who wants to come <laughs> up here and, uh, <laughs> I wanted to uh, see George I got your name in there early but anybody else who comes yeah up as here a to to us, and a raver. right about what happened on the weekend uh but anyway and, and most of this uh, this third hour is going to be open for the public if you want to call in or something like that but tomorrow I do have a uh, Matt Cohen Uh, from AL.com to talk about Cameron and other aspects of the Auburn football program.
1: All right, so we're going to wrap up hour number two next. We're here at Dolphins, and we have some folks already coming through here, so the, the beignets are ready. The coffee is hot. Come on by and see us we uh, we got some giveaways for you as well. And if you want to come on and get on come, come by and get on the air, Lee Shervanian is offering that up as well. It's our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. If you can't come by this morning, make sure you come over to Dolphins. It's a great place to meet for lunch with a view. Great items, Captain Willie's shrimp tacos, the 424 burger, and the Royal Rooster, all for only 15 bucks. They have soup and salads here. Started only eight dollars. It's really a fine dining experience without fine dining. Prices. It's the Monday morning quarterback edition right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us.
11: This is Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNSP
4: 105.5. What did I to What'd you pray this morning?
8: Well, I was just hoping that our team got the opportunity that they deserved and I think there's a lot of good teams this year and somebody was going to get left out and you know you just love it for your guys and all the work that they've done and how they progressed throughout the year to try to have an opportunity to do this so uh, I was praying for that and uh, it came to fruition so I'm really happy for our team.
1: That's Alabama coach Nick Saban on his Crimson Tide being included in the college football playoff. Welcome back in. It's the Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. Broadcasting from Dolphins here on the 34th floor. Come on by and see us. We've got some folks already in here. Uh, complimentary beignets and a coffee. Alabama is certainly the team of the weekend and team of the week. But our team of the day, how about that? Presley Roofing, George Spurlock, joins us in person as yes. always. Good morning, sir. How are you?
7: Good morning. You? Doing great. How are you?
1: Uh, we're busy, but, man, what a, what a time to be in sports Radio, man. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, all right. So we had some rain here recently. Yep. Uh, much needed, I might add. For sure. But uh, got us thinking, okay, the whole roof. When do you know? How do you know you need some work done?
7: Especially when that rain comes. Right. Obviously, if it's dripping down on your prized china cabinet, you're going to know, and you're going <laughs> to call Miss Samantha screaming and hollering. That's right away. But uh, another way, if you you know if you have an older roof and you you ha- you have suspe- you suspect that there may be a problem, then really just look for stains on your ceiling. Right? Yeah. And one of the things I'll, I'll just kind of a tip is. You know, a lot of times uh, we'll we'll have a a stain on the ceiling, get it repaired, but we've not yet painted over it, right? One of the things that happens is it takes a long time for those stains to to fully dry, right, in the sheetrock and everything. So after a rain like what we've had, some of those stains can actually darken by the humidity. Okay. And it makes you think that there's another leak when actually it's just the humidity in the existing stain. If that stain gets bigger, then, then you know that you potentially have a continuing problem. Uh, so we get called out all the time to look at old stains and that are just darker but not any bigger. And thankfully for them, they don't they don't have a
1: right and I was problem. about to say so if, if you're not sure when you're looking up who do you call
7: Yep. you call Samantha at Presley Roofing and she'll get you out there another thing too is one of the things we started to really promote and do uh, especially with some of our apartment complexes is we have a maintenance program where we can set you up we can come out two or three times a year clean all the debris off your roof keep your gutters clean and all that and that will keep the deterioration of the shingles and kind of head off some potential leaks for you
1: all right well look guys you need to call the fine folks at presley roofing if you have any roofing issues uh i had somebody on social media yesterday asking for recommendations the first thing i did when i saw it was i tagged you and presley roofing yep. so tell people what's the best way uh to get in touch with you guys because uh, you guys will come out free estimates come look at it even if you're not really sure what your are lo- what you need uh, George, you guys can take care of it.
7: Yeah, a lot of people have taken advantage of this, so I appreciate the opportunity. But call Samantha at the office, 251 457 6598. We will get out there post haste.
1: Well, George, we certainly appreciate As always, uh, stopping by, but Presley Roofing, WNSP's team of the day. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Post haste. Right. Doesn't be better than post haste. That's right. Uh, you guys can jump in at 694 1055 in the app. The only games that Bama won comfortably, meaning that they had a game in hand before the fourth quarter, were Chattanooga, Middle Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi State. They barely uh, they barely escaped six and six Auburn, four and eight Arkansas, seven and seven and five A and M, six and six South Florida, and Georgia, who was playing without one of their go to receivers. Not to mention that McConkey and Bowers being banged up and not nearly one hundred percent. Bama didn't remotely play at a CFP-worthy level in the majority of their games. So arguing against Florida State for not being dominant or, dominant or having their starting quarterback is it's just
2: plain stupid. Well, he's not the first person to call the committee stupid. I've heard others uh, re- reference that. But um, that being said, and and again, you can look in any direction you want because every year the committee changes somewhat and they'll always find a reason to base their opinion on who's going to get in, not my philosophy on this is, it's. They, I know what they're saying about the quarterback, but I still think, it, it maybe I'm wrong. I still think there was no way they're going to keep out an SEC school, and they will look for whatever reason they can to make sure that they get one in. That's just the way I feel. I don't.
1: I don't know if I.
2: You don't have to feel that way. That's the way yeah, I feel. Yeah, I don't know
1: if I subscribe to that. I. Does it help that Alabama was in the SEC? I think it does in the sense that they beat the number one team in the country, who had a 29-game winning streak in the in the most competitive game of the of, of the of the weekend. I do, uh, but for those that don't think Alabama should be in, all I say is look at the video of Michigan's reaction when they saw who they were pitted against. Man, they were not excited at all. Now. Had they named Florida State, my guess is everybody over there, including Jim Harbaugh, would have stood up and applauded because they know they would have trounced Florida State.
2: Look, I watched the end you of that. Keep, eight- you keep saying trouncing, You don't know that. I will say this for Florida State. Granted, offensively, with the third-string quarterback, but defensively, they're pretty good. They are good. Did you see good. the
1: game against Louisville? Yes, Louisville's offense. That quarterback is
2: terrible. But I mean, they went down into the uh, swamp and and they beat Florida. Their defense was pretty good this year. I'll give them credit for that. Yeah, they Michigan would probably beat Florida. I mean, you know, it's easy to sit here and say that. I don't know if you could trounce them or not, but maybe obviously offensively they're challenged now you know, because they're a little lost in, you know, the quarterback position. But I I do I don't want I don't want to bury Florida State. They had a really good year. I mean you go undefeated in a power five conference, you've had a really good year.
1: Well you see, and that's one of the issues I think we're having is everybody says power five conference and we automatically assume, ooh, it's like this unbelievable conference. No, the Pac twelve's been down for years. This was the first year. The first year that that we've actually had legitimate conversation in the last five or six about the Pac-12 being any good. Nobody was screaming and griping that the Pac-12 didn't have a a representative in the college football playoff since the existence. It's a Power Five conference. Why not? It's one of the great conferences in the land.
2: You know, with hype and everything, if you were going to pick any team from the Pac-12 you thought would be relevant this year, you probably would have picked Southern Cal and how quickly that went by the boards because they had, quote-unquote, the returning Heisman Trophy quarterback who was going to do it again, Lincoln-Riley this, Lincoln-Riley that, and it turned out to be Washington and Oregon, the two teams that emerged as the teams to beat in the Pac-12. Yep.
1: Uh, all right, so someone's saying that Michigan video references BS. That was shocked like the rest of us reacted. It wasn't because they are scared. Come on, Mark. No, I'm not saying they're scared of Alabama. I'm saying they much would have rathered Florida State. That's all I'm saying. And if they didn't think there was a chance that Alabama could get in at number four, I mean, was everybody really shocked? I mean, you might have been mad or you might have been really excited, but I don't know if shocked is the word. If you were shocked when Alabama came up, then you didn't have your finger on the pulse of college football all weekend because that was
2: the growing trend. Yeah, can you imagine if Alabama did not get in? I wonder what kind of media backlash we would have had because we've had a lot of media backlash from obviously media people outside the state of Alabama. But I'm just curious, what would have happened if Florida State had gotten in like many predicted would? We'd be, we, with, with the phones would be burning up today. Well, the, the the narrative would be don't don't schedule up,
1: don't schedule Texas. Right, or if you schedule a, a Power Five opponent, make sure it's one that didn't have a good year. Right, because everybody always talks about Florida State's big win. Was LSU? Well, that's a three-loss LSU. Now, to Florida State's credit. You didn't know that going in, right? You can't control how good that Power 5 opponent's going to be. If you're scheduling LSU, you're scheduling up. But I think that has to be in consideration. For LSU's nowhere on the list of Alabama's best
2: best wins. Should be. Why? Because I don't think any team really would want to face LSU these days and have to face Jane Daniels, arguably the leading candidate now for the Heisman.
1: Well, they were when... But he hadn't he.
2: Hadn't no, he, I don't think he was at that point. But he was when he played him. He's emerged uh, since then with games that he's had. I I'm not saying he's going to win it. I, I'll say he. Many claim that he is the leading candidate now on a team even with three losses. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but you know what? We'll find out uh, very soon. Uh, I certainly think he'll be among the three. They haven't announced that, have they, the three or three or four that are going up there? No. I would have to think Penix, Nix, and Daniels would have to be at least three, and maybe they'll throw in somebody else if, if they feel there's enough votes for them.
1: All right, we got some guys that are popping in here at Dolphins. You guys are welcome to join us uh, for our number three. Uh, we are going to talk to Dean Wade coming up at the top of the hour, get his thoughts on a couple of plays, specifically in that SEC championship game and then we are wide open after that we will talk about uh, the SEC championship game, the college football committee, Florida State whatever you guys want to talk to about and when you guys come up, if you guys want to get on the mic and give us your best Lee Shervaney impersonation breaking down games
2: yeah, that's we what I want to do on down, guys, dude. come on up and join us uh, I already got turned down by the first group Oh yeah. Yep. All right. Well, it's still early. It's still they walk they and say, "Well, you don't, you don't want us on the air." I'm saying, "Yes, I do. I do want you on the air." Okay. I'm, not, I'm having trouble getting that message across. You mean a guy
1: that talks on the air can't seem to communicate his point to other people?
2: Huh. I, all I say is keep it clean.
1: Well, where's the fun in that, Trevanian? All right, hour number two in the books. Here comes hour number three. Come on by and see us. We're at Dolphins Restaurant right here on the sports station, WNSP.
0: This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Schervanian, and Michael Brawner. The The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right,
1: here we are, hour number three, the uh, Monday morning quarterback. We got folks in Dolphins Restaurant chowing down on some complimentary beignets and having some coffee, talking some college football. You're welcome to join us between now and 9 o'clock.
2: All right, you still have a chance, at least an hour, because that's all, I'm I'm not staying here after 9, but you have a chance to come by and get tickets for the Jags bowl game, Jags basketball Saturday in Spring Hill, or Timber Creek complimentary golf passes, including the cart, 18 holes. Wow. And I have lined up at least I think if he sticks around, we're going to have at least one individual who came by to join us uh, after we get through with uh, Dean Wade. I'm inviting anybody who wants to come up here to come on, talk about what happened with the college football playoff. You know by now, if you've been listening, Alabama, Michigan, followed by uh, Washington and Texas. Those are the four that have a chance to win the national title. Auburn going to face Maryland in the Music City Bowl. The Jags are home. Yes, they're home at Hancock-Whitney for their bowl game against eastern michigan uh mark and i mentioned this briefly we'll really get into this more tomorrow about the uh commitment from wide receiver cam coleman of central phoenix city who flipped from texas a&m and now uh has committed to auburn and uh this was mentioned by kane omic leading receiver one of the top receivers in the nation colin lacy has entered the portal and willie fritz is leaving Tulane to go to houston but Let's get back to what happened on Saturday. Georgia, Alabama, won by Alabama. And from an officiating standpoint, my co-host on the Friday show uh, that I do with Dean Wade Injury Lawyers, Mr. Dean Waite, front and center. Dean, good morning. How are you today? Hey, guys. Doing well. How you all doing? Doing wonderful. All right. Uh, let, let's go, first of all, because you're in the state. You're at the game now. On the pass yeah. to Bond. Late in the first half, which is, seemed to draw the most controversy, because you had the official in in the uh, at the game, Gene uh, Senator, even said there should have been a review. Did you feel that should have been right. the case?
8: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it, to me, it, it was pretty clear that the ball kind of touched the ground and moved and did all that stuff. Uh, you know, Alabama smartly went fast after that play. Uh, you know, I, I really, frankly. Put some of the blame on the Georgia staff. I mean, somebody's got to get word to Kirby to call a timeout. I mean, if it looks like they're not about to review it, you know, because I mean, you call a timeout. Worst case scenario, you know, they they uphold the call and you lose your timeout. If they change the call, you get your timeout back. Uh, And you've also, you know, and, and you know that's a huge play there. If it gets overturned, which I feel like it would have, you know, Georgia's got the ball what on the 35 or 40 yard line, you know, before the half and. So anyway, it was a it was a big play and potential big momentum shifter in the game, and, and certainly should have been looked at.
1: All right, Dean. So one of the other ones in that in that game was the horse collar. I think on Law. Uh, I know there was some uh, controversy there yeah. about whether or not uh, he got his his hands around. Talk a little bit about that play where they got he got uh, George got tagged for a horse collar there.
8: Yeah, yeah. I've watched that play. Uh, Twenty times probably, and I still just don't see a horse collar, a uh, tackle. I mean, I, I, you know, the so the rule is inside back collar. It also can include the inside side collar, you know. And he, and you've got to, you know, immediately jerk the player down. I, yeah, I don't. I just don't think. You know, I don't. If, if the Georgia guy's hand got inside the collar, it was there for about a tenth of a second. And, and and when he tackles him, it's not in there. I mean, it, it's on the on the top part of the shoulder pad, uh, and, and and so I just you know I, listen. I know Moore agreed with it, and he had a, certainly a much more illustrious officiating career than I did. So, um, but I just don't see it. I mean, I just don't think that was a horse collar tackle. At
0: we're the end of the day, to D-
2: we're talking to Dean <clears throat> Wade. Uh, four years, at least four years, as an SEC official, longtime official, also in high school football. Did you think the officials let them play in this game on Saturday? Maybe overlooked a yeah, few calls. For the most,
8: yeah, yeah, for the most part. I mean, there was a they called a pass interference against Georgia. I wasn't in love with at all in the first half. I can't remember it was against Stark, the safety number twenty-four. Just was very little contact there. Uh, but yeah, they don't. I think there were only eight fouls called in the whole game, so which is what you want. I mean, you want that anytime, but particularly in a big game like this, nobody wants to see a lot of laundry on the field. You know, it's just uh, I, I think they, I think they generally speak and let them play.
1: All right, Dean. So let me ask you this one. So Jalen uh got tackled, although he rolled over for a second. There, it looked like he was on top of a Georgia player, and he kept running. The officials right. called him down. I think Sarah, Sarator and, and those guys said that his ankle or his calf hit. Uh, what did you see there? Yeah,
8: <laughs> yeah I, I, so live in the stadium, it certainly didn't look like he was down. And then right. uh, the, re, the the two replays I saw, I never saw where he was down. I did have one of my good friends who's a, a really big Bama fan texted me and said, yeah, his his – leg or something did hit the ground or whatever i never saw it but but you know maybe it did i don't know but i mean if if the ankle i mean the ankle is down that's not the foot the foot's obviously not down the ankle is not the foot so if the ankle hit that would be down if the calf hit that would be down uh so anyway i i just have not seen a a view where where any part of his body was down i'm not saying it didn't happen i just hadn't seen it
1: Okay, so now I'm being told it was actually a shin that hit.
8: Is the shin down? Okay, I got believe okay. the shin's down, right? Yeah, yeah, shin's down. I mean, any anything other than the uh, hand or foot is going to be considered down. So, okay, if the well, shin touched, I'll say then, this, yeah, he was down.
1: And and, and I, I don't mean this as disrespectful, but the official was completely lucky that shin was down, though, because that that was such a fast. <laughs> the, I mean, he just he would have been if if because if he if he hadn't have yeah. been down. I think the uh, Alabama nation would have gone absolutely nuts, but I I think he was very fortunate because there's no way he saw that that guy's shin was down.
8: (laughs) Yeah, I mean that was probably a quick, a quick whistle, quicker whistle than it needed to be on that. Uh, But and yeah, he did get lucky on that for sure.
2: How would you grade the officiating in that contest, Dean? If you were the one uh, issuing the grade, I mean. uh,
8: well, I guess if you uh, if you ask the Georgia fans, it's, they, they would probably give them a D or an F. But, uh, yeah, it was okay. I mean, I thought it was uh, – you know, it was all right. I mean, I just didn't – they were – like I said, there were a couple of things that were missed. I mean, there always are. Uh, you know, but I, I did like the fact that there was not – there were not a lot of fouls called. Uh, I just – it lets the game run smoother. It, it just lets the players, the coaches, everybody get into a better rhythm. And so from that standpoint, I, I, I thought it was good.
2: I think people are well aware that you're a Georgia fan. So you were there obviously rooting for yeah. Georgia. Just give us your take I on would. the fact that they got off to a really good start, got a, what, an 85-yard drive for a touchdown, but then Alabama kind of took over.
8: Yeah, they uh, they definitely clamped down. It didn't help Georgia's cause that our uh, first-round NFL Left tackle, excuse me, right tackle went out of the game on the second series and never came back in. Uh, yeah, he's the he's the guy that Georgia runs behind a lot, so that hurt the running game for sure. But Alabama clamped down. You know, I had a feeling that game was going to go like that. Frankly, I mean, until until uh, Georgia beats uh, Alabama and Atlanta, I'm always going to think that <laughs> there's some kind of uh, some kind of juju Alabama has over Georgia in that stadium. I think. Um, but it was, you know, I was not surprised. Look, Alabama is an extremely talented team. I mean, one of the few teams in the country that that has the talent that equals or may exceed Georgia's talent in, in some spots. So um, it was not surprising to me that, that that happened necessarily.
1: Hey, Dean, before we let you go, there was one other uh, play from uh, the Big Ten game I wanted to ask you about. Um, yeah. Iowa, in the Iowa, coaching staff went ballistic. So uh, I think – uh, the quarterback drop back for pass, uh, got hit by the defensive back, Michigan's defense. The ball got knocked free. Officially, uh, I think the officials initially ruled the play dead, an incomplete pl- pass. They blew the whistle before anyone recovered it. They went to review. They ruled that he did not begin his forward motion uh, before the ball got loose. So the officials overturned the call to a fumble with a clear recovery right. by the Wolverines. Is that right?
8: I mean, I was not in love with that call. I thought his arm—you know—keep in mind the arm just has to start moving forward, okay? And I thought his arm—it was fairly clear to me that his arm had started the forward process, okay? Yeah. Before that ball came out, and so I, I just didn't—I didn't like it. I mean, I, I and and it's particularly with the fact that the ruling on the field was an incomplete pass, and so uh, you know you've got to have very clear video evidence that that was not correct and i don't think you had very clear uh video evidence that, that was not correct so i don't know how they ever yeah. turned it
1: hey dean as always man we appreciate the time uh thanks for jumping aboard with us we appreciate it
8: absolutely guys thank y'all
1: yep uh it's dean wait uh all right so here's what we do by the way some news uh dylan gabriel kyle mccord both in the transfer portal as of this morning so uh It's the story that keeps on giving throughout the
2: year. I think isn't today, was it today the deadline to enter the portal? Or maybe I'm thinking in terms of this being a date for something else. I thought somewhere along the line you had to uh, declare, and there's a number of quarterbacks in there now. I I saw a list the other day of the top ten mark, and they have Cam Ward at number one as best quarterback in the portal. Riley Leonard was number three. All
1: right, scoreboard traffic and weather are next, and then we're wide open the rest of the way to hear from you, 694-1055. It's the opening kickoff, Monday morning quarterback style from Dolphins Restaurant. Come by and see us.
5: Hi, this is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen, and you're listening to WNSP Mobile.
8: and a reverse. Here comes Jamison Williams. Explodes to the end zone. Touchdown,
0: Detroit.
8: Yeah,
1: that one hurt. 823, welcome back in. The Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff continues uh, from Dolphins Restaurant where you guys need to come on up and enjoy some complimentary beignets and coffee. Uh, And a reminder, if if you can't get up here, uh, this morning, make sure you come by for lunch. They got some great lunch menu items, including the Captain Willie's shrimp tacos, the 424 burger, and the Royal Rooster, all for just 15 bucks. Soups and salads start at eight dollars. It's a fine dining experience without the fine dining prices. Uh, speaking of great events, by the way, it's coming up Wednesday. You've heard me talk a lot about it. The 11th annual Rolling Tigers uh, Booster Club Bash. The extravaganza is set. For St. Dominic's from 6 to 9 this Wednesday. Uh, Dr. Mike Rim told me there's only about 50 or so tickets left. It's a $10,000 drawdown. There's a finite number of tickets, 300. No more are sold. So if you want to get in, you better get in quick. It's a, it's a great event, catered by Bay Gourmet and DJed by our own Matt McCoy. If you're looking for um, information, you're looking for tickets, call Mike Rim, 232-4753. That's 232 4753. As you guys know, the Rolling Tigers Booster Club is an organization that supports wheelchair sports at Auburn University. The club was inspired by Mobile native Dr. Jared Rim, who was born with spina bifida and became the first wheelchair athlete to compete for Auburn University. Over the uh, 10 years, they've managed to raise more than $150,000 for Auburn wheelchair sports. And another really cool part of all this is that Rob Taylor, the Auburn head coach, who is also the coach for the United States Paralympic team, will speak at the event. So it's a really a great opportunity for parents who have children with a disability to get information to help their children get involved in wheelchair sports. So, again, uh, get in touch with Dr. Mike Rimm. It's coming up Wednesday. It's the 11th anniversary. It's the Rolling Tigers Booster Club extravaganza.
2: As promised, uh, we offered uh, those who came up to join us a chance to talk. Bob Barr, you're up first. Good morning. Good morning, Lee. Good morning, Mark. I hey. know you're a very steady listener of WNSP Sports. We really appreciate that. Anything over the weekend that caught your
4: attention? Well, the SEC championship game did because I was surprised. I'm an Alabama fan, but I did not expect Alabama to win that game. Not really. Uh, so I was surprised that they did.
1: Uh, look, we all picked we all picked uh,
2: Georgia to win on this show. Uh, it was I picked, close. Yeah, we, we, I'm going to rephrase. I picked Georgia to win by a field goal. Alabama wins, but I did take Alabama in the five and a half. I didn't. Th- I didn't think it was going to be a blowout. I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. a field goal game. Yeah, so,
4: but I, I went in a different direction. I'm, I admit that. Well, way they played this year, um, you know, uh, that played a good half, play a bad half. I thought, well, if they had played a bad half, then they get so far behind they couldn't catch up.
2: So after the game, and you had a lot of time to
4: think about this, did you think they would make it to the uh, Final Four? Uh, there was doubt, but the way I watched the Florida State game, and they really did not look good. Uh, i know about the quarterback and everything, which made a big difference in them. And and I thought then that opened the committee to make a decision for Alabama to be there.
1: I, I I said this. I've said this since this morning when we first came on. I is I thought those that thought Florida State's defense looked good mm. I thought Louisville's offense was atrocious I thought that quarterback was just really now I didn't watch every play of that game I watched a lot of the end of it but I just I thought they had opportunities and he just couldn't make throws
4: well I had watched some of the Louisville Kentucky game and you know Kentucky took them out yeah and that told me a lot about Louisville and I did not give them much chance even though uh, Florida State was uh, hampered uh, because they lost a quarterback yeah. but I didn't think Louisville would really win that game anyway, but I just, I was hoping it was not going to be a blowout.
2: I was hoping for a Louisville win to take Florida's (laughs) head out of the mix totally. Right. Uh, You know, because the only, and everybody kept saying chaos, chaos. The only chaos was really, the only thing that threw everything up was Alabama beating Georgia. Everybody else won. Washington won. Florida State won. Texas Oh, well, That Texas game was a joke. I mean, you talk about bad teams. You know, Oklahoma State. They're, that may have been the most polarizing team I've seen all year. They had some really good
4: wins and some huge losses. Yeah, Dr. Jessica, Mr. Hyde, They, they, their loss to South Alabama was, I thought, well, they're, they're taking the rest of the season. But they came back and won some games. But, uh, you know, Texas looks good. They really do look good. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be a good game. I think Washington, I really kind of expect Texas to win that game.
1: Yeah, well, it's set up beautifully, right? So Alabama gets in. Uh, you get the whole Michigan Jim Harbaugh guy in the no shirt and the khakis down here at satellite camps from years ago. And you got the whole Connor Stallions thing. And Drinkowitz made a great reference to that. And now it's set up so that if both teams take care of business, you're going to get a rematch of Alabama-Texas uh, for the national championship and help poetic would that be how, how appropriate thanks for coming by man hey thank you for having me
4: it's good to see you guys
1: two open segments you know we got to talk about the one play that a little bit of a wow factor we hadn't even talked about in that sec championship game jalen milrow looking a lot like bryce young uh and of course anybody else that wants to come up and get on the air now's your chance the monday morning quarterback edition right here on the sports station wnsp in our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff has been an animated and spirited one here, Lee Shervanian.
2: We hope to keep that going. By the way, that interception by Jimmy Ward, seconds to go, and the Texans clinging to a, a lead. And Jimmy Ward, who played at Davidson High School, now with the Texans, came up with that uh, key interception to preserve the win for the surprisingly uh, Houston Texans. All right, uh Dale, Dale Harvey's with us now. Dale, a renowned punter one time for the Ole Miss uh, Rebels, right? Am I? correct, correct, right? Knows his football. He's joining us. Of course, we owe him a lot. Uh, he's been the man about everything here, serving, talking to some of the patrons who have come by. And so, Dale, we've asked uh, we asked Bob uh, that you follow SEC football very closely. You've gone to, you've seen Alabama in person. Uh, did their victory over Georgia surprise you at all?
3: No, I think anybody would – you could see Alabama was getting better and better as every uh, week for the season came on, so it really was not a big surprise. Were you surprised they got into the Final Four? I did not think that an SEC school was going to be blocked out of the Final Four, and with their victory over Georgia, there was no way that Georgia could stay in the Top Four, so no. Dale, uh, Ole Miss, you happy with the season they had? Yeah, ten and two is a really good year. Um, basically, of you, when you lose to Georgia and Alabama, and both of those are on the road, I mean that's a, a sense of accomplishment. Hopefully, we can grow from uh, you know year after year and get into the actually the 12 team playoff for next year. What do you think about their matchup with Penn State? Love it, love that matchup. I don't think that uh, I know Penn State has a really good defense. I don't really think their offense is all that great. Uh, hopefully we can make some stops on defense, but I think our offense without Lane having a month to prepare can get a good game plan going
1: So I asked this question earlier. Who do you guys think is like the maddest today, right? Is it is it the uh, is it is it the Florida? State? Mike Norvell obviously is pretty pissed, but what about the the uh, the athletic director over there the ACC commissioner Danny Cannell? Uh, Booger McFarlane went on a rant as soon as that thing came out. I mean, there are a lot of mad people out there. Who do you think uh, who do you who do you think right now is just like
2: just, just hurting today. I think the board of trustees getting ready for their next <laughs> meeting, we're getting, we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're leaving. We're either going to the wherever, who will take us, but we want to get out of here. I think that you could put them all in the what same was, vein. What
1: was really interesting, I thought, was that Booger McFarlane went on this really passionate yeah. rant, and he really just got outnumbered. Like, everybody on that panel, now, of course, two of them are Alabama guys, but, but – I thought each of them took a turn and tried to explain to him where he was wrong and he really got outnumbered which was made for some
2: fascinating television there for a bit it really did I, he and Galloway uh, Galloway interceded too and they were kind of, of course Galloway's an Ohio State guy yeah they were kind of going at you know at one another but, but it was really the only one who really stayed with Florida State you know and really wouldn't back down to what the uh, committee did and look again you know year in and year out of changes every year they, they they can say what they want now boo Corrigan the spokesperson certainly not one of the most dynamic talkers we've ever seen uh, he is ACC I mean he's NC State I don't know if how much I, I would just love to have been in there a fly on the wall to really went well on when the discussion well, came up you know between Alabama and Florida State to see you know how many people actually thought Florida State should be there.
1: Well, and I think and one of the guys that came up to, to to listen to some of the show, we he and I were talking at the break, and I thought it, he made a great point. Why is it that we don't get to hear from committee members, at least after the final vote? I get the week-to-week stuff, but why not hear from those from those folks, it'd be like talking to jurors after a big, you know, yeah. big case after the big Johnny Depp case there or something.
2: Was, I'll, I'll refresh your memory. I, was it a couple of years ago that Jeff bauer the former Southern Miss coach, was on the committee? I had him on for maybe one or two weeks, and then after after that, it was shut off. Yeah, and he said, "I'm not allowed to talk anymore." Right. It's like this day and age of communication. And social media, it's like coaches won't let their assistant coaches talk. I mean, we live in a a time zone now where there's such a a – a freeze on talking to assistants or committee members. But,
1: but I think the important thing is that if, if you want the college football watching country to understand and you want to be tra- transparent, like you may not agree with it, but at least be open and transparent about it. And, and I get during the season, Boo isn't going to go out there, by the way, terrible name. Well, it, I get that he's not going to come out and tell you the details week to week, but this talking and not answering questions, even after the fact is a disservice to the game, is a disservice to the process. If you want people to understand, you've got to explain specifically why things were done and and, and whether or not there was – because I think Reese tried to pull information out, like how close was it, how many times did you do this, how many guys didn't want Florida State in, how many guys didn't want Alabama. I think those are important things.
2: I would have loved to have known how much direction was there, how many people – went to bat for florida state you know during that meeting because i'm telling you that must have for 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 weeks and weeks they followed chalk it was very easy then it became one of the most difficult tasks a committee has ever done because they knew no matter what somebody was going to get really ticked off whether it be texas alabama or florida state
1: well i do think also and one of our listeners in the app at wnsp.com made a really great point the committee did themselves a disservice by leaving alabama at number eight i think in hindsight being what it is, it's easier now. But prob- maybe Oregon uh, was a little too high, but to have to have to have Alabama at number eight, especially after they they started playing better, really put them in a, in a, in a painted them kind of in, in a box.
2: Yeah, but I've learned through the years with this committee, it doesn't matter what you did last week. Everybody starts fresh. So in other words, you start from scratch the next week. Sure, they look at number eight, but th- that's not the way they operate. They operate, okay, now we start new. This is what we're going to do.
1: Right, but the perception is Alabama wasn't going to get in. Oh, they beat Georgia. Okay, so let's leapfrog them. Well, now all of a sudden, what you did this week does matter. It's not. The, it's not the totality. It's almost like b- because they were so far back to begin with. I but, mean, I'm
2: not. I'm not. I know, but it doesn't matter though. The way the committee, that's the way it's been for years and years. And they've said that. They said, look, don't worry about what happened last week. It's what happens this weekend.
1: So the the other question would have been if, and, and somebody had just alluded to this in the in the app, if Oregon would have beaten Washington. Based on what we know now, one would Florida State have gotten in instead of a Pac-12, or would the Pac-12 still
2: have gotten in over Florida State? I think Florida State would have gotten in. That would have made it too easy for the committee.
1: So two, that, one I mean, loss, I'm just guessing. So a one loss, Oregon or a one loss? Yeah, a one loss, Oregon yeah. Pac-12 champ would have been on the outside looking yes. in. Undefeated Florida
2: State would have. I think in. that would have. I think that would. Well, you know what? Now that I think about it, I'm going to say. Fifty-five percent yes, and forty-five percent no. Because then, then, then you are going back to the fact. Well, Florida State doesn't have the, you know, the real good quarterback, but Oregon does, and he's a name value, and they're going to be exciting, and they may be. So, I am going to backtrack on that and say maybe, but I don't know for sure if they would have done that. I don't know. It would have been easier for them to deal with that than what they had to deal with. Because, as you know, around the nation there is SEC and Alabama fatigue. You know, we, we all know that. And so, obviously, anybody outside the state, most people outside the state, are going to, you know, beat the drum for Florida State, even though, realistically, they know they are not. They don't belong among the top four teams. At least that's the way I feel about it.
1: Dale, uh, I was telling people they don't have time to come by this morning. They need to come by uh, for lunch because uh, we've talked about it. We haven't been up here this season, but I would tell people, man, you guys do it. Not only uh, economically for folks down here, but very efficiently. So if you're down here working, and
3: and you only got time for a quick lunch, you guys can you guys cater to that need. Absolutely, pretty much. Even though we're on the 34th floor, you have parking in our garage. You can walk over if you're from a building. Um, each one of our lunch specials run is approximately $15. So it's incredibly um, affordable and efficient. We can get you in and out of here within the hour. And
1: and that fee that that price includes the view. You don't pay extra for that. That's free. That's on the house. That's lane, Yeah.
2: How about how about <laughs> entertainment? I'll tell you one of my favorite days is Sunday, the brunch. Correct. I love to come up here Sunday. Haven't been for a few weeks, but we're gonna be back. Love to sit out here in the lounge because you have the musician and the prices are very reasonable. You get usually a
3: packed house on Sundays. We usually have high demand for Sundays. We have Roland Cobbs, who plays the uh, he plays a jazz brunch for us. So usually Sunday is a really uh, really large family day coming here after church. And why is December 5th, which is tomorrow, so Correct. important to Bob Baumhauer? Tomorrow, basically, actually, first of all, we open up the Baumhauer's Victor Grill, the new one and the largest one over in uh, Foley, Alabama. It's in the uh, Tanger Outlet Mall. That opens up tomorrow. We also have our uh, Las Floritas menu, which are, appears on December the fifth as well. Wow! So if you've never gone to our Cuban Speakeasy, please pay attention to Instagram, Facebook, get the password, show up. And also, right now at Las Floritas, basically with something that Bob's been trying to work on for years, we made it happen. We're also doing um, salsa lessons. We've been doing it now for uh, three, uh, three of the last five weeks. The next one's coming up this is going to be on December the uh, 28th. Is this like Dancing with the Stars or something? It is really good. We have Israel Rodriguez. He's the uh, ballet master over at the Mobile Ballet. He and his wife, uh, they got involved with it. And so basically, I actually have a real professional instructor. Um, basically, a couple ticket is 45 uh, A single ticket is going to be $25. You get actual instruction from a professional that understands he is from Cuba. And basically we provide hors d'oeuvres. You can get apples. You can get um, alcoholic beverages or anything you like while you're there. Oh, and I you bet. also get some salsa for dip? You did get that, too. And like I said we also have a real Cuban band that starts playing it immediately at 7.01. And they go from 7.01 uh, until 10 o'clock. So lots of stuff happening down here. And you have to know the password, though. Instagram, you get is it. Is Roosevelt still there? Roosevelt is still down there. And
2: he won't let anybody in unless you give him the password? Well, he's big
3: enough to keep you out. I want to see you try it,
1: Trevanian. <laughs> try it. I got. Give it. him the whole. I don't get it on social media. it Ain't gonna matter.
2: <laughs> Rosie's got strict orders, and he will execute them to first the time, to the letter. First time I saw him down there, he was dressed in a tux. I have not seen him in a tux yet. <laughs> i he was pretty well <laughs> dressed up. Let me tell you.
1: All right, one final segment of the day. We'll uh, we'll give you a sneak peek into tomorrow's show as well. Uh, you guys can jump in at 694-1055. Uh, hit us up in the app at WNSP.com. And if you're you know, in the neighborhood, you might have a minute. To, that's a quick elevator. You might be able to get up here before 9. That elevator moves now. Uh, one final segment of the day. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Joe Godfrey. I'm a big fan of
6: 105.5 WNSP Sports.
1: some lunch or even come by get dinner and of course uh, call and get those holiday reservations made as uh that's creeping up as well
2: all right uh f- from a listing standpoint on wnsp tonight we don't have monday night football we do have the game between alabama and arkansas state basketball coming up this week we have all three high school playoff games uh this coming uh, thursday at 11 a.m mobile christian Uh, We'll be playing, and then Thursday night, uh, we're going to have to junk the Patriots game. Uh, What a a shame. Uh, Instead, we're going to play Gulf Shores. Yeah, I think we're we're okay with that. I think so. And then on Friday night, we'll have Sarah Land. All three are undefeated. Again, I'd be hard-pressed, being here since 1980, to remember when we've had three teams all undefeated, going to the Super 7. It has been an incredible year for those three schools. All three games will be broadcast on WNSP. All right, what you got cooking
1: for tomorrow there, Shervanian?
2: Well, I think we're going to start out with Jerry Palm. I think most Jerry, people are finally yeah, looking forward Jerry, to having Jerry Palm Adamant, adamant for weeks that the SEC would get shut out if Alabama won, Florida State would be in. And I wa- and I looked at his uh, site Saturday night, and he's, he, again, had Florida State in there. So we'll start with that. We've got Travis Reier, uh, also going to talk to uh, Matt Cohen with Auburn. We mentioned about the uh, commitment of Cam Coleman. We'll also talk to uh, Matt about what direction Auburn may be going as far as a transfer quarterback. Yeah. Uh,
1: look, I know it, it, it's been a pretty heated 72 hours in the college football world. I love it. Yeah, it's great. I would simply ask those that have a problem with Florida or Florida State being left out. If you're being honest, if you're being objective, who's the better team? Alabama or Florida State? Who has the better chance of beating Michigan? And for those of you that said that doesn't matter they've earned it, that's that that's exactly the point. It's not about the most deserving or who earned their way in. It's about who are the four best teams. We were talking about, I think Justin Baker, we had him on kind of reviewing the SEC championship game, and he said he wished he knew whether it was the most deserving or who was the best. We already know with the stat, the committee's job is to get the four best teams.
2: You know, every year that they've had, this, most every year, not every year, but most every year, the first game, one of the first has been a blowout. Could you possibly see that happening with Alabama and Michigan? I think the uh, Texas-Washington matchup's really, really good, mainly because you got you know two really, really yeah. good quarterbacks. Could you see that happening, though, that Alabama has its way with Michigan? I hope so, but I don't know if I see it. Michigan, say what you want, defensively, they're very strong. They're not a juggernaut on offense, Yeah, but they do have one of the great running backs in quorum, and defensively, they're very, very strong. And I'm not going to go further with that. I'm not going to go into the coaching.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, here, here's, the, here's the bigger picture once the emotions subside here. This has been as good a weekend of college football in terms of games, what they mean, the debate. All of this that we've been talking about for the last three hours, in my opinion, I've said this for years, is what makes college football great. Now, that's not easy for Florida State fans or anti-Alabama fans to, to hear right now. But this is what, to me, makes college football go round and round, right? The NFL, it's all about the numbers and the divisions and everything is even and blah, 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 blah. And that's great. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating on the NFL. But the passion, the the fact that you guys in the app and us, we could sit here and argue till we're blue in the face. And at the end of the day, uh, I can't prove you're right, and you can't prove I'm wrong, and vice versa, to me is what makes college football so special.
2: You know, Mark, and you look next year with the 12 teams, and there'll still be debates. And I'm thinking one right off the bat. Because you take the four teams that are seeded, one through four, they would get first-round buys. Then you would have Florida State at number five, and they would have a home field game, but you'd probably still get that same reaction. Wait a minute, we should be in the top four. Why would we have to play the first game? But that's the way it's going to be next year. The top four teams get a bye. The next four, five through eight, will get first round home game, and then nine through 12 will have to travel. So those teams that get that first round bye, basically get a week off, don't have to play as many games. But I'm sure there'll be just as much debate. We should be four or we should be three instead of five or six so that we don't have to play that first game. And uh, George
1: is still with us, George Spurlock of Presley Roofing. Let me ask you this. As an Alabama guy, and I made this comment earlier today on the show, has this not been one of the more exciting, intriguing, and almost um, satisfying seasons under Nick Saban in the sense that the odds were kind of against his team early, the obvious struggles, and to watch his team continue to improve and ultimately ultimately get to a a place a lot of folks didn't outside of Tuscaloosa think they were going to get to. I just think it's been such an entertaining season from that perspective as opposed to – Man, we're number one. Preseason number one. We got to win every game. We got through that one. What's next? Kind right. of deal. It's just to me, it's been a kind of a different narrative, and it's been it's been incredible.
7: The wave of emotions as a fan of Alabama has been so dynamic, right? You go from a very low, low losing to Texas. The South Florida game wore us out as fans, yeah. um, but I really believe that this is Nick Saban's best coaching effort. I mean to to get where we were yeah. to, to where we are. And you know, to be honest with you, one thing I've been thinking about this whole morning was the one the one statistic that hasn't been talked about Enough, I think in this comparison of Florida state is this whole strength of schedule. Sure. The difference between being fifth in strength of schedule and 57th or whatever. Right. I mean, it's obvious. And you watch the the two games that happened on Saturday. It tells you the quality of the two teams.
1: Let's take phone call. Chuck joins us here on WNSP. Chuck, I'm shocked that I'm talking to you on the phone and not in person, sir.
11: Explain yourself. It's Christmas decorating day. I, I watched so much football this weekend. The wife puts her foot down. Said, "No, you're you're staying here." Okay. So anyway, real quick, uh, is this more a reaction? It's not that Florida State's being left out that the people are so mad at. It's that Alabama got in. Okay, yeah. that's what. Here, here's the here's my point, real quickly. Uh, George makes a good point too about strength schedule. If if Georgia, you guys picked on Friday, if they had won the SEC championship, it's Georgia who's in, not Alabama. So that still means Texas would be taking Florida State's place. I don't hear an outcry about Texas. They and Alabama both moved up exactly the same four spots. So that, that's what this whole thing is about. It's not so much about, oh, that Florida State was so much more deserving. It's just that, oh, Alabama got in? No, no way they should have gotten in. And, and I, it's just it's what Lee says, the fatigue and, and the hate. Bring it on. I'll, let's see where we are uh, come January the 1st, and we'll go from there. But, uh, yeah, just uh, it, it, I'm so sick of Booker McFarlane. Thank goodness that Joey Galloway put him in his place. Roll
2: Tide. I'll talk hey, to you later, Chuck, guys. To what uh, Mark said, we had a table reserved for you. I- I'm stunned that you're not here. He's gone. Yep. He left us. Yep. Well, at least George State. Yeah, I did. And, you know,
7: I think the here's what's going to happen, too. Go to the Orange Bowl and see what Georgia does to Florida State.
1: Yep. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> now, now, one of the issues there is, which one is going to feel more slighter Which one's going to be more motivated? How many guys are there that weren't, you know, because of the portal and just giving up on the year? I'm with you. I mean, I hope I hope Georgia curb stomps them. Yeah, I really well,
2: I do. I think Florida State's going to be more motivated just yeah, to prove I agree. a point. And then, again, you get down to the who's going to be playing. Right. Who's What What player is going to be out of there? Who's going to be involved in it?
7: I, I could still see. I could still see Georgia shutting out Florida State in the
2: Orange Bowl. I really could. Uh, and, and you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I just remember times when Alabama wasn't quite as motivated in bowl games because they had the, the right of passage to be there in the championship round and they didn't get there. Now, that that last year they, they played really, really well, so that, that was off the board. But I just – it's going to be fascinating to see what, how Georgia. Re, that's the. I don't doubt Florida State's going to be motivated. They're going to use this as their motivation. I'm curious about Georgia, though, and obviously with the players that are, you know, Brock Bowers. Is he going to bow out? I mean, why he's going to be what a top choice? You wouldn't think that he'd play in this game. McConkie and, and people like that. So I don't know if Georgia will be at full strength.
7: Well, Brock Bowers has already put out a, a message, I think, on Instagram or Facebook. Um, saying that that they're not finished yet and that um, yeah, basically well. they've woken a, a sleeping dog. <laughs> okay, that's th- that's fine now. Are what were they sleeping for? They were
1: 29-0 going to the SEC championship game.
7: Poor Brock. They got put to sleep,
1: actually. Oh, uh, I see what you <laughs> did there. All right. Uh, hey, so tomorrow, one of the things we need to talk about, too, talk about motivation, right? Florida State's got its motivation. Nick Saban, there's a report. We didn't get to it today. We'll get to it tomorrow. That his cell phone number got leaked somehow, and he got blown up like 250 calls or something after the college football playoff uh, pairings were announced. And he said most of them came from a bunch of ticked-off Florida people in Florida. He he mentioned that in a uh, in the awards banquet with his team yesterday. The video got sent to arrivals.com. They posted a story. I don't I haven't seen the video. My question is, do you think it really happened or is he just using this as motivation cuz now he's saying there are a lot of naysayers out there that don't believe you belong. So I'm wondering, do you think it really happened? I'm sure it did. There's there's video of him saying it. I'm not disputing that. But I'm wondering if his if his number really got out there. Or is he just using it to motivate his team moving forward?
2: That's a good point. I, I'd say uh, take your second angle on it. I can't imagine people calling him up because Saban doesn't make the decision. Talk to somebody but on how the did committee.
1: They get Nick Saban's number? Don't you think if somebody was going to get Saban's number, they would have had it by now?
2: I'm just saying. We don't have time to go into that. I just remember something that happened a couple of years ago where somebody got his number and it became a very,